This podcast is brought to you by patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Head there to check out exclusive podcasts like Talking Futurama, Talk King of the Hill, the What a Cartoon Movie Podcast, and tons more. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons brought to you by Big Red Snack Foam. I'm your host, the Meanie Beanie Fofini Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today as always. Hey, it's Henry Gilbert, and the podcast is going to Mars! And who do we have on the line? Uh, I'm Libby Watson, and I'm known as America's Sorrow. And this week's episode is Sweets and Sour Marge. If I don't want them for free, why would I want to pay for them? Why do you always wait till we arrive to complain? I don't know. (laughs) This week's episode originally aired on January 20th, 2002. And as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. (gasps) Oh my God. Oh boy, Bobby. A beautiful mind in Moulin Rouge win big at the Golden Globes. The Darius series finale airs, and Parappa the Rappa 2 is released on the PlayStation 2 in the United States. So uh, we're post 9-11, and two tragedies came to my life. Uh, Daria comes to an end, and the new Parappa game is not good. <laughs> it's all right. You not know. very good. It killed the series. Sure, it did. Yeah. I, I like the, all the songs about noodles, like, you know, the noodle invasion thing. It's a, it's a yeah, cute idea. Yeah, Slurp It, Suck It. You know we all like it. Yes, that's the, that's the line. Slurp It, Suck It. You know, you all like it about noodles. You weren't yeah. you weren't memorizing Parappa two lyrics when you were twenty, <laughs> like me. Uh, I like the I I just like the dorky nerd going like, but everyone loves noodles, 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 noodles. It starts on a bad note though that you you're just excited to see your old pal Chop Chop Master Onion again, and he's like a, an unhoused man, and he's just very poor and sad. It's it's kind of depressing that he's lost his he's, home. He's got the little sprout growing out of his head because he's just a, uh, an old onion. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was uh, Is It College Yet is the Daria series finale uh, movie. It was weird for me to watch Daria after high school because it started in my freshman year of high school, so it was like, oh, perf- the perfect show for me, and then after I graduated, I stopped watching because I, I didn't want to be reminded of high school so <laughs> maybe 10 years later I did a Daria rewatch and finally saw everything again it had a great finale and I th- think it hasn't been cancelled the Daria reboot that's not actually about Daria it's about Jody, her yeah, friend I I, it I just it, it feels like no one has just made the announcement that it's been mm-hmm. cancelled but I haven't seen anything about it uh, Libby do you have any Daria knowledge or Daria fandom going on in your life oh yeah I uh, I did watch it a bit um, it was on MTV2 in the UK which is like I think in the UK MTV2 was like the alternative one that played, played all the indie music and stuff so that was where I watched like the Strokes music videos and stuff and they would also play episodes of Daria and I absolutely loved it I never watched it like in a, any kind of like order or anything like that but yeah I, I you know I was exactly the kind I mean I would have been like 13 when i was watching it so i was very much like yeah this is absolutely me i'm really cool like daria (laughs) and uh i I guess if she graduated high school in 2002 then she'd be like 37 38 now that uh daria morgan dorfer yep yeah the beavis and butthead their new movie just came out bob and i have not watched yet at the time of this recording but uh daria not not as lively as as beavis and butthead at this moment no we're still 
still it's one of the few 90s reboots that haven't happened yet D mm -hmm. daria duckman uh oh, a few Duck others Man, i mean yeah. like rugrats can't everything's coming back mm -hmm. yeah. and we have we have oscars news as well uh well it's or the, nomination oscar fever's beginning bob because it's the golden globes the the, oh, the road okay. to the oscars uh and yeah the the winner for best drama was beautiful mind a beautiful mind and uh, best comedy slash musical was Moulin Rouge, mm. which one performs much better than the other at the Oscars. I see. Uh, yeah, which that was where uh, Russell Crowe finally won that uh, that best actor thing for playing a, a guy with mental problems, which was easy if you had mental some mental issue, but you can't go all the way with it. As as a <laughs> line I won't say from Tropic Thunder is all about that. Ooh, but, what a what a challenging role. Yes. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> God, Moulin Rouge. I had not seen it until. You I hate on Moulin Rouge quite a lot. Until I, months ago, it's just, uh, I mean, I feel like uh, an old man complaining about like MTV style editing, but I swear to God, there's like a cut in that movie every six frames. I felt uh, bad for the editor for all the work they put into that movie, but uh, uh, I would say I love musicals. Uh, I'm not the biggest musical fan, but I love certain ones. I just saw Little Shop of Horrors performed in Berkeley. This is excruciating. It's embarrassing. I, I don't like it. Uh, I, I, I still like it. <laughs> I still, I still like it. It's not look. I, I like a more classical style musical like the Chicago film adaptation yes, that that's came much out better. around the same time. I got more, but I like how sweaty and over the top Moulin uh, Rouge is and hideous. You like and, burlesque shows, I bet. <laughs> burlesque shows are strip shows made for gay men. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> yes. uh, sorry, I'm, I'm too straight. <laughs> Can't do it. I think I am too. I, I have absolutely no understanding of what it is that people like about musicals i feel like it's it's like a part of my brain that's missing i just i you know it's one of those things i i you know i totally respect that other people like them but i just don't see myself ever enjoying a musical even when i was a kid like you know went to a couple and i was i i don't i don't get it i just don't get it uh what i mean everybody was uh in 2002 weren't we all singing along to the lady marmalade cover that was all the hits oh god and, yes yeah. <laughs> nope yeah that was on that was on the radio a lot definitely had friends that that liked that and again i just felt like it just sort of washed over me i think they play that song for about 10 seconds in the actual film yeah it's not really like a music <laughs> moment. and uh he's he just made his uh, new elvis movie with uh yeah. with tom hanks in a fat suit that's right that was the Elvis movie that gave him COVID, wasn't it? That was because they filmed oh. in Australia and he got, uh, that's where he that's announced it. Well, he was in Australia. Okay. That's right. Wow. Yeah. So the movie that almost killed Tom Hanks. Uh, that uh, that alerted the world to the dangers, America to the dangers of COVID. Anywho, yes, that's, uh, that's what happened in the early 2002 when this episode aired. Uh, joining us today once again is Libby Watson, who was last with us for the uh, very weird episode, Old Money. This is a, a much funnier, but also weird episode. Welcome back to the show, Libby. Hello, thank you for having me back. I'm very glad to be here. And uh, yeah, Libby, you uh, everybody I'm sure knows that you're the the, the journalist of, of healthcare politics and the uh, the great newsletter Sick Note. And I, I thought this would be a good episode too because this certainly is about like the politicization of health uh, in America in a certain way about you know political diet movements. Though they I, I believe this came from the inspiration of like suing tobacco companies, but mm -hmm. this certainly then echoes with the 
later aughts, the beginning of that, of the, the battle against Big Sugar and, and the politicization of that. Yeah, it does feel like a, a sort of interesting time capsule in a way. Uh, you know, obviously you're right that this this kind of like came back a little bit in the in the early 2010s. But, you know, it's it's funny because like it is about healthcare, but it's it's really not about, you know, it's about a health issue without being about healthcare, which I think is very telling. Not seeing obesity or diabetes or whatever as, a, as, as something that can be managed with a healthcare system and, and is it's solely down to people's individual choices and you know sort of personal moral failings is a very American way I would say of looking yeah. at looking at those problems actually the writer of the episode uh, Karen Lomine we interviewed her a few years ago I think it was a few years ago it feels like a few years ago but Henry mm-hmm. Henry's cocking his head he doesn't know either but... hey, it was definitely I think it was 2020 yes, uh, yes you can find yeah. it on our Patreon yeah. patreon.com slash talking Simpsons she came up with this idea because uh, I believe the late 90s there were a lot of tobacco lawsuits going around she didn't cite which one she uh, based this episode off of but she got the idea because uh, smokers were suing tobacco companies and the idea was well isn't that kind of silly yeah it takes and, some personal responsibility yeah. for yourself they didn't make you smoke cigarettes or whatever and yes. a, a few years before this episode and probably like a year before it was written there was like a landmark massive civil lawsuits against big tobacco from our mm. government uh, it started with some states in the mid 90s but our government was like it wasn't for the sake of you know the public health or anything it was like we're sick of paying for all of these medicaid yes. payments for cancer <laughs> where th- these right, cancer right. patients are bleeding us dry you got to take care of them tobacco companies so that's where all this came from you can read about it online there's very very long articles about all this legislation but because of this uh tobacco companies now fund anti-tobacco led uh, campaigns like the truth initiative things like that and also this is what caused cigarette prices to increase there have been many many class action suits against tobacco companies so i'm not sure which one she was looking at but it was all happening around this time but yeah this was very a very victim blamey time and i know it still is this is a very anti-lawyer time every lawsuit was viewed as frivolous and that's why the most frivolous ones get reported on the most but yeah that's what's going on here and i'm sorry libby i heard you trying to jump in no, no, not at all. Um, yeah, it was just funny watching this because I literally just last week or something watched um, The Insider for the first time with the, with Russell Crowe, which is about big tobacco. And there is, there is a line in this episode that is directly from that movie. I mean, you know, shamefully, that is like pretty much the extent of my knowledge about, about this. But yeah, the, the, the lawsuits in that movie are, you know, specifically like, you know, Mississippi is suing big tobacco because uh, of Medicaid costs. And it's just so funny because like that is the closest that, you know, a conservative southern state could get to doing doing anything about public health is like hey you're making us pay for all these poor people's damn cancer and we don't want to do that you know i mean it really is um kind of wild yeah it's uh well that you know i get why uh it's it was very easy to fall into that way of thinking back then i don't want to uh be victim blaming myself on the on the writers of the episode because it was how everybody thought back then like oh everybody's suing everybody because it's there it's somebody else's fault but like yeah <laughs> the, the tobacco companies for one lied about the dangers of tobacco mm-hmm. for decades like they knew yeah. it and kept it uh out of like so 
they actually did trick people into getting cancer <laughs> like that and they should be sued for that on just on that level it, it can't there isn't personal responsibility there yeah and we're coming up on the era uh when the show came out of uh, super size me and of course every smart ass community was like really mcdonald's makes you fat oh you needed you need a documentary to tell me this things like that but it it's because of using the law to nag in our communist state of california when you go to a fast food restaurant it says this burger has 900 calories and you think maybe i don't want to eat that many calories and you make a wiser decision it's because of all the march simpsons yeah. of the world right exactly i mean I, I don't know how much we want to get into this now but i mean you are absolutely right that like seeing calories on a menu i mean certainly for me it does sometimes make me make slightly better choice certainly i make better choices having that information than not having that information um as much as i hate being reminded of what i what it is i'm about to do to my body <laughs> but i mean it's to me at least it is really not the the issue um for why you know Amer like to me america even if you just drive across america especially like most of america america you know not the cities that i have lived in but like most of the country it is just so obvious that the entire country is structured in a way that makes it very easy cheap and often the only option to eat fast food you know to go to a drive-through and get french fries and you know get a you know 64 ounce soda or whatever and there are a lot of places where that is not even is sometimes literally the only option um but it is also just so much harder to eat healthy food like you know people always say oh you can always make your own you know, healthy, cheap food at home or whatever. And I'm like, first of all, that shit sucks. I hate chopping vegetables. I like, you really want me to spend my whole life. Yeah, I made dinner the other night and I was just thinking like, God damn, like, I've been chopping vegetables for like half an hour and I'm just making one fucking stir fry. And I have just been like slicing this goddamn bok choy for this whole time. Anyway, it, you know, it, it is just simply harder to eat healthy food. And even now after all the super size me stuff and, you know, like fast food restaurants putting these like, you know, shitty little salads on their menus and stuff, the structure of American, I mean, society in general, you know, with the focus on work and everything, but also, you know, food culture it is simply harder to eat healthier, especially if you are, you know, on the go or, you know, if you have to, if you, if you have to, for example, work for a living, mm -hmm. you know, it is just harder to, if you, if I'm out and about and I'm like, all right, I want to get a snack, but I don't want to eat something really bad. Even in LA, I'm like, okay, well I can pay like $20, like literally $20 or $15 for a salad or I can get something that will cost like $3 and is, you know, laden with, with fat and salt and sugar and all the stuff that tastes good. The, the, I mean, I think this is the, um, the sort of fallacy behind the whole, like, oh, you could, you could simply choose not to do X, Y, Z or whatever. It's like, yeah, you know, I can still make that choice, but there is so much around me that is pushing me to make the worst choice and then it just to just completely ignore that stuff you know it's just a very strange way to look at things well, to I, me. I mean that's like so perfectly american that the structure is just ignored like and it just it just mm -hmm. comes down to you the structure yeah. like you are a free individual that uh, could do whatever yes. you want right but it's yeah. like it's not considered you have depressed wages you have to work two jobs yeah. let alone you're like raising any children perhaps like and how right yeah. well and the other thing to me is like if you think about the sort of the food science that goes into producing these products like when i eat a cheeseburger from mcdonald's or whatever i'm like aware that the food is not 
high quality and yet most of the time you can just feel like the pleasure centers in your brain like exploding and you crave these things that are you know i'm craving these like nuggets that i know are made of pink slime like they are made of like you know chicken adjacent parts that have been <laughs> spun in like a centrifuge and then you know compressed into something that looks like it came from a chicken once <laughs> and i know that it doesn't even actually taste that good when I'm eating it. And yet I still find myself craving it. And there is so much like there are, you know, billions of dollars poured into creating these products on these national fast food chains. And <laughs> they like specifically, they, you know, they specifically create these products and recipes that enhance the number of these like pleasure center activifying, um, activating ingredients, not to make food that is good, but to make your brain go, this is good. Mm -hmm. And that is, so, and you know, and so you have this like whole system that is set up to trick your brain. And then at the same time, you have people saying, well, you know, you should just simply not eat that stuff. And yet you just have this like incredibly powerful, like science behind these products that make them taste good, even if they're bad for you. And it's like, okay, so you've made this thing that is like, a drug and then you've yelled at me and you've made it incredibly cheap and available everywhere and you've made it hard to get stuff that is better and then you're yelling at me for eating it like mm. come on yeah and, and you're also basically conditioned from birth to want these things mm. i feel like only yeah. only kids born in the past 20 years came into a world where nutrition and eating healthy was a mainstream idea not like tofu and wheatgrass not anything mm. like that yeah. because like henry and myself uh, I'm sure uh, it was the same for you, Henry. A school lunch for all the kids in my class was like, okay, number one, can of soda. Mm, soda's unhealthy. Maybe some kids have a can of uh, fruit juice with more sugar than the Coca-Cola. <laughs> also, peanut butter and jelly on white bread, which is just cake. Mm -hmm. And then chips. And oh boy, we need a snack in here too. We need something like a little treat, some cookies in there, and maybe an apple you can throw away. Mm -hmm. But it was and like- a bag of chips for all that. Uh, a bag of chips. salt and starch. Yes. Don't forget the salt. But yeah, yeah. and then the, if you wanted to buy a hot lunch in school, it was always like the saltiest most deep fried things that were frozen five years ago oh and, and shipped to your class yes and i feel like um even in the uk yeah like even in the uk i was i mean i i don't know if you know much about jamie oliver his whole thing is like you know screaming at schools and then also like poor mothers basically mm -hmm. for not feeding their kids better stuff um and so you know while i was at school like the cafeteria at my school kind of like underwent a change where they started selling things that were not you know like deep fried but you know for the first like four years i was there the, the food that you could get at the cafeteria was like a cheeseburger that was a pound. Uh, something that is, I think, only exists in the UK, which is called a turkey twizzler, which is like turkey formed into like a curly fry shape and breaded and fried. Uh, it's like a Slim Jim almost a little bit, right? Well, the, it's like, it's the, it's more like, it's more like a Burger King chicken fry, but in a curly fry shape. Uh, um, and yeah, okay. they were like 60p or something and donuts. And that was the stuff you could buy from the cafeteria. And mm. <laughs> like... It was disgusting. <laughs> well, you know, the Jamie Olivers of the world or the, you know, I get, I don't want to be too negative because like I can see that their, their hearts in a way are in the right yeah. place because they see children making unhealthy choices that will follow them for the rest of their lives. Like if, if I could find younger me and tell him, don't put so much like emotional investment in happy meals. Mm -hmm. I think I'd be a happier person, but, and, and, and also I know when I eat garbage, like, yes, part of me is making a choice to eat garbage. And I try to make that choice less these days, but the, optically mm -hmm. having 
extremely rich people like Jamie Oliver or say Michael Bloomberg yelling at you about you need to make better mm-hmm. choices. Like how can it not look like just like a rich asshole trying to take away one of the few things that's nice in the world that or that gives you any comfort in the shitty right, world. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's all, there is kind of a like a what do you want me to do about it thing. But, you know, I was, I was kind of thinking like it's it's sort of like the idea is that you need to make the right choice. And it's sort of like you're trying to throw, uh, you know, a ball through a hoop or something but they keep making the hoop smaller and smaller and smaller until they're still telling you why can't you get it through the hoop why can't you get it through the hoop but you know your ability to make that choice is shrunk and shrunk and shrunk until you know you have to be like perfect all the time you know you have to be perfect a lot (laughs) to not get that to not get that wrong you know like i like i was saying earlier you know it's just it's hard to find these food the market certainly has not provided even though it's better than it was you know, 10, 20 years ago, you know, even just something like uh, flavored seltzer being more common now is is huge um, because, you know, you can get a LaCroix in some bodegas and like gas stations and stuff. You know, you can get more interesting oh, yeah. non-sugar drinks, but it's still hard. It's still like it's still not easy to make that choice. And that's just with drinks. So, you know, when it comes to food, it is really hard because it's like, okay, I'm at the gas station. I can eat this like, you know, like fried thing that will at least activate the like crunch and salt center in my brain. Or I can eat this like, you know, single peeled boiled egg that may have been there for two weeks or this like, you know, (laughs) like already brown apple or like some kind of like horrifying like, you know vegetable sludge that has been there a long time you know it's it's still not the the market is still not providing i would say uh and and one last preamble question i i have for you Mm -hmm. libby is i i've heard this from a number of of british people when they they come over here uh like american particularly like obviously sugar and candy and cereals like those are there but i i always hear like wow america you really love sugar like and that you can see just how much we have uh, sugar and everything here yeah yeah i do think so i think i think living here has kind of changed my palate a little bit because you know when i go home and i eat the food i'm like god damn this is really bad and that is true <laughs> british food is bad but i also do think that i have come to expect more salt and sugar and stuff like my palate has changed and now portions feel smaller in the uk to an extent although i think you know we also we also eat plenty as well things taste flavorless uh, that you know that didn't taste flavorless when i was younger and i think that is partly because i've come to expect the heightened salt and sugar and and stuff so yeah there is there is that um the availability of extremely large soda <laughs> is something that is different <laughs> in in the u.s um you know the first With time free refills too. yeah free, oh my god free refills <laughs> i mean free refills for sure is like one of those things where i was like oh my god this country is amazing you know <laughs> which is really fucking sad does not speak well to my um personality but i remember the first time i went to a movie theater in the u.s and i ordered like a medium soda and it was fucking it felt fucking gigantic you know because it was like it was you know the size it was certainly the size of like an extra large soda in in the uk you know stuff like a big gulp you know it's just not so it's just not so common you know it's not it's not quite so mm. and that's not to say that you know if you go into tesco's you're not going to see rows and rows of different sodas you know we're not we're not that different but i yeah i would definitely say that there is i mean it's weird because we have the best like candy like britain has better chocolate and stuff than um than i have a, I had an imported Cadbury mm-hmm. cream egg once, and it ruined American yes. Cadbury cream eggs <laughs> yeah. for me every oh, after. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. too sweet. Even <laughs> even now that uh, that Cadbury is owned by an American company, it, it is still 
it is still better. And I did write an article about this a couple of years ago, actually. And it's it's to do with, you know, you can buy the American version of Cadbury here, but um, it's worse for some reason. And I, I think it, the justification was that it was closer to the taste of chocolate that Americans were like used to or would expect, which I think is weird. Because I feel like if you sold mm. just the regular Cadbury here, people would go nuts for it, but whatever. But yeah, it is uh, it, it is strange because we do we do have really good you know candy and biscuits as well like cookies are really are really top top cookies over there and so it's not like you can't get a lot of delicious sugar stuff there and you know and you have to remember that britain is kind of the america of europe like we are <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> most things like oh i don't know like incarceration rates or um you know like crumbling healthcare and uh, bad education and stuff like we are more like america than anywhere else in europe but we are still you know, not in America. So um, you kind of have to bear that in mind. We, we should start talking about the show soon. Yes. But because this is about sugar addiction, one thing that I've noticed in my life as a child and adult is that it took people a long time to realize that soda could make you fat. <laughs> like they would think, yeah, if I eat too much fried chicken mm-hmm. or cake or chocolate, that's but I think it takes people a while to go over to the idea like, oh, a drink can make me fat. Yes. And you look at like the, those scare articles that are like, what are the most caloric things you can get? And it's like the Dunkin Donuts latte or something like mm-hmm. that. And people will uh, get, you know, a Frappuccino every day at Starbucks, not thinking like I'm starting my day with 900 calories and most of it is sugar. Mm-hmm. So I think like. When you when you watch like weight loss shows, that's the first thing they zero in on. It's like you have to stop drinking soda. <laughs> and it's just because, like you said, Libby, soda is so cheap and plentiful in, in America. You get people who never have anything else and they grow up thinking like, I don't like the taste of water, mm-hmm. which is just like a rejection of your status as a living thing. <laughs> like, ew, water, <laughs> this, the, the thing that I'm made of and I need to live. No way. Get that out of my body. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah absolutely. In the UK, like, I would definitely remember drinking a lot of soda as a child. In fact, I used to have a very specific memory of my stepmom yelling at me because I wanted to drink a Coke on Christmas morning. And I was like, come on, it's Christmas. <laughs> you know, it was pretty normal for me to drink Coke, you know, throughout the day. Um, um, but, you know, a, a normal thing for British children to drink is something that we call squash, which I think is available in the US. It's called something else. I, I can't remember it now, but it's like a, a concentrated like fruit sort of it's, it's a liquid that you add to water that makes it taste more, you know, like a fruit It's somewhere between fruit juice and water. And again, it does just sort of add sugar to water. It does make it taste <laughs> better if you're, for example, six years old. I, I do think it is more normal and and it it is quite shocking like it, you know not not to sound like one of the people that wrote this episode but the amount of sugar that people can and do drink in a day here is is a lot like sometimes you know like when i go to starbucks sometimes you know i'll get like a nice coffee and i'll ask for like two or three pumps of caramel syrup if i want to be like if i want to treat myself but like people will go full on like yeah like frappuccino in the morning at the airport kind of thing mm-hmm. and that but you know it's it it seems nuts to me but it is also kind of a biological thing like once your body gets used to that and you know starts to require that sugar you know it's just like any other addiction it it feels it feels normal and you feel bad if you don't have it and once you got Mm. to that point you know like you say if you can get to that point by the time you're you know before you've even graduated high school then it's really hard to kind of um give that up 
I, I do at least like that this episode, despite, you know, hearing Carolyn Omine mentioned that before was like sort of about joking on personal responsibility. They do make the the company evil, like mm-hmm. evil. They are controlling things and using that against people. And I, I, yeah. I will say again, Carolyn Omine, super nice to us. And also like one of the few, I think one of the few Bernie Democrats in the Simpsons writers room these days. I don't know. Yes. So, there's yeah. a funny joke from Al Jean on the commentary. He says, can I sue the Simpsons for making me? fat because <laughs> it makes everybody fat yeah i uh, though honestly the simpsons have given him so much money at this point that uh, that's that is his pay just pay for, for the blasted liposuction <laughs> as mr burns once said uh yes every simpsons every episode of the simpsons that's about gaining weight or homer being fat it's it is because it is because uh that they, they all get fat working on the show like yeah uh, same bill oakley the same same deal uh, but yes uh one other bit i want to mention the preamble is that al Jean mentions a new york times article uh profile on the season uh and uh that published right around when this episode aired i was like oh i gotta read this and so finally found it it was written by a.o scott uh published in the new york times in november 2001 first off i have to say i'm gonna blame the editor not a.o scott it's titled homer's odyssey which i'm like Ugh, terrible headline how many just, of those have been written with that title though just hack headline yeah. man. and then secondly uh that they do there's some interesting stuff in there of them doing the table read for old man and the key and also mac raining and sam simon kind of snipe at each other in it which is is funny through through quotes it's the i i shared it with you bob it is the exact same article that's been written about the simpsons for over two decades yeah. now which is hey this show's still on can you believe it let's ask <laughs> the people who still work there that they're hey lg what do you think of this show still being on and, tv that's weird right and i yeah. can tell i mean ao scott is a good writer but i feel like yeah this is written every five years and it's algae and saying actually we're more popular than ever actually back when we were running the show in the 90s people online said those shows were bad like i can tell you all five of his yeah. canned responses which to be fair to him what else is he gonna say yeah. yeah you're gonna sleepwalk through every interview and it's exactly the same and every time we talk about this i'll say it again Put this out there to Al Jean. I promise you, Al Jean, if you finally do a podcast interview with us, we will not ask any of these questions. I swear <laughs> to you, Al Jean. Come. Yeah, I mean, GQ, like literally this year, published the exact same article as this one. I think like two months ago. Yes, yeah. two months ago. Uh. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough because if you're Al Jean, you can't really just say, yeah, it sucks and I have loads of money, so... What do you? <laughs> yeah. It's it's loads and loads of money. So what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> Are you gonna fire me? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah, Are exactly, you gonna turn yeah. down twelve million dollars a year for this job? I don't know. Yeah, or is or is the Fox Network gonna you know turn down you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, it's, it's I don't know. I don't know how the economics of, of TV work. You know, <laughs> I I don't understand the the child that is growing up watching The Simpsons today. It's like I haven't seen an episode of The Simpsons that was you know released in the last i don't know 10 years or something so it's um i i think of it as a different show um but in my that's my head canon is that it it ended in you know 2000 you you think of this season 13 episode as a newer episode when really it's not even in the first half of all simpsons episodes (laughs) that exist and it's over 20 years old partly a function of how long the show has been on and partly a function of being old you know like it's how you know it took me until about 2015 to realize that 1990 wasn't 10 years ago (laughs) the simpsons will be right back (laughs) 
want to make anything fancy. Make something homey style. Hey. Ooh, cheese, beef, more cheese, bacon, three more strips. I declare this Extreme Burger the winner. Oh, ma, you've created a Whopper. For a limited time, get the new Extreme Bacon and Cheese Whopper. Juicy flame-broiled beef, two kinds of cheese, four strips of bacon. You gotta have the Extreme Bacon and Cheese Whopper at Burger King now. Woohoo! Carry me home! Go! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the break. Hope you're enjoying your sugar with free donuts. And a big thank you to our guest this week, Libby Watson. It's always awesome to have her back on and her insight into the world of healthcare meets politics in America that you can read regularly in her great journalism in Sick Note. So please check out Sick Note and Libby Watson on Twitter. And if you enjoy this podcast, well, you should know the Talking Simpsons is only possible because of supporters who are like you that sign up at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Those listeners get to hear every episode of Talking Simpsons a week earlier and ad free. You can hear next week's right now with Mike Mitchell. If you signed up at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. And also for five bucks a month, you also get a monthly episode of Talking Futurama and Talking of the Hill of me and Bob covering those series, just like we do The Simpsons super duper in depth. We're in season three of Futurama and season two of King of the Hill. It's been a whole lot of fun. And you can hear the entire back catalog of those. Also is covering The Critic, Mission Hill, and 10 episodes of Batman the Animated Series, all at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. But if you want something as nice as Choco Blasted Baby Aspirin, then you got to sign up at the $10 premium level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons because you get all that $5 stuff I was just telling you about. And then you get our monthly What a Cartoon Movie podcast where me and Bob cover an animated feature film, super duper in-depth, talking for over five, even six hours about animated feature films. Recent ones have included this month. You're going to hear us talk about the Disney Renaissance classic Beauty and the Beast. The month before that, The Little Mermaid, Toy Story 3, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, South Park Bigger, Longer and Uncut, and a giant back catalog of almost four years worth of animated feature films covering things like Beavis and Butthead to America, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, a Goofy movie, Millennium Actress, Kiki's Delivery Service, and tons and tons more. Please check out everything in our massive Patreon back catalog at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. I, I didn't clip it out like we did with the funny Delroy Lindo thing, but this is a funny commentary because Mark Kirkland, the director of the episode, oh, poor guy, sorry, Henry, he is really getting crapped on by the writers on this. Like it, the thing with the animators is they are totally taken for granted, and there is a giant, incredibly hard thing they had to animate in this episode, and the writers keep goofing on him the entire time when he's trying to say like, "Boy, this was really hard," and they're just like, "Oh, did you have to draw two balls?" And he's like, "Yeah, I had to draw two balls," and they're like. <laughs> Yeah, like, come on, it's a comedy show, Mark. We're just kidding around. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of disrespectful. Yes, yeah. Uh, but And also, they honestly, 
the writers on this show who have worked in animation for years and years at this point decades even when they recorded this interview they are asking questions of him i'm like that you would ask somebody you'd meet at a party who you find out is an animator like so uh, so how do you do this anyway is it like all on computers you still, like, you still draw this you still draw yeah, it i was like you've been a producer on this show since like 2000 like you're yeah. asking this in 2009 on a commentary uh it's uh, i i just feel like the the you know if you're a writer on the simpsons learn right. learn a little about how we're, we're it's calling made. you out tom gamble tom gamble <laughs> he's one of the guiltier parties on yeah. it i have to say yes yeah <laughs> but all he's, right he's a funny guy but anyway yeah no he's very funny <laughs> tom gamble's very funny he's friendly with the chapo boys i know that he's a cool dude but i'm just saying you know learn learn how this show's made a little bit more that's that's do all. better yeah, just do better. All right. So the episode begins with a uh, short intro because Al Jean's back, baby. Cutting cutting those sh intros shorter and shorter. Straight, no, no. Drive through the whole town. It's straight to the garage in the opening. And man, in that couch gag, the way Homer's head is yanked up is uh, disturbing to me. I don't know. That's why he complains about his brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, and so this uh, act one begins with the Simpsons go to the library. What What comedy? can be gotten out of the simpsons going to the library which the best joke in the library section to me is marge the opening clip i played of marge just pointing out comedy conceits of like why do you always wait until we arrive to complain yeah i don't know <laughs> uh but then uh, we follow that up with some very nerdy jokes about leonard nimoy and uh, his many biographies that's right and i like how on the cover there's no uh the, there's the fingers uh they only have four fingers on the character so it's like a three finger live long and All prosper right. thing so yeah. just they have to like make it work somehow but yeah so uh leonard nimoy he probably wrote another one after these but he wrote uh, i am not spock that's his 75 autobiography and it is not him distancing himself from the character of spock as the title implies that title comes from an anecdote in the book in which a mother at an airport with her little girl said, honey, this is this is Dr. Spock. And the little girl did not believe that he was Spock. <laughs> so that's what that was based on. But he regretted that title for his entire life because he thought uh, he upset fans and he Aww. thought uh, he was sending the wrong impression, which is why his 95 autobiography was called I Am Spock. Mm. And the foreword of that book is a letter written from Spock to Nimoy uh, thinking the original title was very perplexing, the title of the seventy-five book. So there highly you have illogical. It. Exactly, I'm sure he used that. And uh, yes, it is ten years after their Star Trek Seven so very tired parody, mm. but they are still making Scotty is fat jokes. There are some uh, real Al Jean specials in this episode. Yeah, yeah, and uh, well, you know, James Dewan's not long for this world in the aughts. So they got they got to do as many fat Scotty jokes as they can. Yeah, I mean, they are wheeling out all of their 90s fat jokes which is why marlon brando Jesus appears christ in this yeah. episode yeah yeah not the uh and you know what i uh just a few months after this episode aired with the jokes about i am spock and i am not spock dan castellanetta and deb lacusta released their comedy sketch album i am not homer oh wow okay a parody photo of uh, uh as the cover of castellanetta doing the live long and prosper but with a little homer head toy in between his his fingers uh, and then it ends. Uh, it's a bunch of sketches that are him and his wife, who were a uh, Im and are an improv comedy duo, uh, doing scenes and stuff that are not Homer Simpson. It's just like little comedy scenes. Uh, but then 
then the last track on the album actually is a it's an eight minute long song sung by homer crusty and abe so it's uh there there actually is uh you still get some homer even on the i am not homer album I have to I have to track that one down, I think. If you've got Amazon Music, uh, it's a free stream. Uh, that's how I, I listened to it yesterday. Following that, we get a quick joke with Dr. Nick Riviera. This also feels like Al Jean's back, and he's like, you know what? It's t- Dr. Nick. We haven't done stuff with him anymore. He's a bad doctor. Remember that? Uh, mm. He hasn't spoken a line since Trilogy of Error. And, uh, and wow. after that, even before that, it had been a while since we'd seen old Dr. Nick. I think because they make Dr. Hibbert so bad as a doctor at this point, they don't need Dr. Nick yeah. to be bad doctor. <laughs> There's show. no need for a second crooked doctor. Yeah. Though I do like him that uh, that lady swallowed a baby. That's a good line. Yeah, that, that uh, was a good line, yeah. Also, Lisa watching in pain as pigs eat uh, books. That's that's a good joke. Uh, Cletus has been to the library before because he said, nothing cracks a turtle like Leon Uris. <laughs> that's and, a good... Uh, you know, I prefer that to the Bridget Jones diary by Helen Fielding joke. The- that made me so mad. I was like, "That is not a Simpsons joke." I mean, I should I should say uh, before we really dive in that I I have not. I mean, I watched episode you know seasons like what like eleven through maybe like fourteen like a bit while they were on, but haven't really revisited them since. And so I am going to be the extremely annoying um, classic Simpsons <laughs> fan who refuses to have fun with any of this. Um, and that one that one really made me mad because I was like, "That is such a lame, bad joke. This should not be on the Simpsons." I, I find the I find the phrase Bridget Jones's diarrhea to be pretty funny though mm, <laughs> in, yeah. in a vacuum. <laughs> Uh, yes, I mean diarrhea, great comedy word, very hard to spell. I can never get it right the first time. Yeah, I, I you know, Libby, as as a British person, what what? How do you rank Renee Zellweger's uh, accent in those in those Bridget Jones films? Oh, it was great. I didn't know she was uh, American until until years later. She, she oh really? Uh, you know, I I will say in general, I think British actors are generally better at doing uh, American accents than American acts American actors are doing British accents. But she is the exception. She's really I, you know, I think her British accent is better than the Doctor Strange American accent. That uh, oh that yeah, no, awful. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, just bizarre to me to have Benedict Cumberbatch do an American accent, <laughs> like period. Like of all the Brits to do <laughs> to do an American accent, like what are you doing? And uh, and there's only one deleted scene on the DVD that I'll bring up now, and it's honestly. I think a funnier joke than Bridget Jones' diary, and I wish they kept it in there. Before you continue, uh, is this related to the po- the fact that Homer puts away the poems of William Blake? No, okay. no, it's not. That that's not on the DVD. Okay, because when we cut back to Homer, he is disgustingly putting a book back, and for a few frames, you can see it's called the Complete Poems of William Blake. I don't know if that was oh. another joke intended mm. there, but yeah, please continue. I'm sorry. No, no. Uh, so this one is uh, it's a joke made perfectly by Al Jean for other nerdy kids who grew up reading Encyclopedia Brown books, uh, but it's Bart and Milhouse reading Encyclopedia Brown Mysteries, uh, and it is called Encyclopedia Brown and the Case of the Strange New Feelings. Oh. And uh, <laughs> the the mystery is why is Bugs Meany taking such long showers? And then the, the characters skip, uh, Bart and Milhouse skip to the solution at the back of the book and go, ew! So... <laughs> I like I like specific jokes about Encyclopedia Brown and his nemesis Bugs Meany in uh, <laughs> in uh, in TV shows. But yes, then we come to our first clip of the episode as Homer just finally discovers a book he loves. Lisa, you're not buying more than your weight in books. But I have to save them. The books no one buys get chopped up and fed to pigs. <laughs> 
Helen Fielding's giving them pigs Bridget Jones's diarrhea. <laughs> well, what about this? The Duff Book of World Records. It's got pictures of deformities. Okay. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, now that's a goiter. Why would Duff Beer put out a book? It was originally published to settle arguments in taverns. She said tavern! I'm going to Moe's! I never agreed to that rule! <laughs> Oh, that's a great line. Yeah, that's good. That, I, I like uh, what was implied there. Mm, yeah, it's uh, it's <laughs> it's a sign of a, of a uh, deeply troubled alcoholic. But uh, <laughs> yeah, as uh, this taps into again uh, a thing killed by the internet. But I had a real childhood love for the Book of World Records, the Guinness Book of World Records. I think every kid does, and they really touch upon the first things you look up and the things that are cited. Like I know it's just like you immediately go to the longest fingernails page. Like okay, who's got it this year? Or like the world's mm -hmm. fattest man or yeah. what's the biggest tumor like all of the like, again deformities you know <laughs> yes okay i love homer's pouty okay there yes it, it's very much like a, a good thing for homer's childlike mind to uh to go straight to that book because it, it like you say it is something that i can't really imagine an adult being all that interested in because it is obviously just the most pointless stuff um so <laughs> i think that yeah that is that is good and in character i would say which is not always something that you get in these seasons and Lisa's brief history of the Duff version of sounds a bit like the real yeah. life one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I learned yeah. this. Uh, I learned this twenty years ago, and it's one of those things that sounds made up. But you never think of like, what is the Guinness in the Guinness Book of World Records? I don't know, some guy. Well, no, uh, that guy is Sir Hugh Beaver, who was the managing director of the Guinness breweries in the early fifties. So. He was on a hunting trip with some lads, as they call them, and they got into an argument about what was the fastest game bird in Europe. And he thought, you know what? If there was a book full of these answers, it would be a hit. And it was. So there was a very small, uh, like, independent printing in 1954, a much bigger commercial one in 55, and then in 56 it was available in America as an institution. And by the way, because uh, nobody can read anymore, it's just called Guinness World Records, not Book oh. of. <laughs> And uh, and at around this time, there was both a Guinness World Records and a Ripley's Believe It or Not show on TV. In season 11, we covered this already, but Take My Wife Sleaze, that episode, it opens with a parody of the Fox Guinness show. Oh, yes. okay. That's cool. Man. And one other thing, uh, Dean Cain hosts the uh, Ripley show, and I bet he thought like, Man, I'm slumming it. He wishes. <laughs> he wishes he was on that show 20 years later, not in whatever, like, God's Not Dead 4. The, right, yes, The, the yeah. final Godening or whatever the, the he's in now. The bits that Kevin Sorbo says no to. He's yeah. like, well, I guess I'll take it if Kevin Sorbo didn't want it. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, well, you know, this this may surprise some folks, but yeah, I didn't, as a kid, I love the Guinness Book of World Records, but I did not know what the Guinness stood for as a company. <laughs> I just knew it as like, well, yeah, it's just like, it's the Guinness Book of World Records, whatever that is. And later in, like, my teen years i then i think i first heard of it on mystery science theater they did jokes about guinness being a extremely thick and dark beer which is different from popular beers in america like my mom and dad never drank guinness ever uh, and then it was only i think in the aughts or maybe like 2010 or something that it finally clicked for me of like wait the guinness that is that thick dark beer also is the world the world record people wow 
right. Polar polar opposite experience for me because not only was I familiar with Guinness, but my dad actually worked for Guinness, so we had holy cow. Yeah, we had uh, we had Guinness, you know, around the house. We had the Guinness, like you know, the books around the house and stuff. And so to me, Guinness was always, you know, that that Guinness. I think by the time I was born, he may maybe didn't work there anymore or whatever. But I still have a, a pretty cool Guinness uh, vintage Guinness T shirt that because um, they had that really cool logo with the with the toucan. Um, they had a lot of like two. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know what the toucan had to do with uh, with the beer. Um, yeah, they but, got rid yeah. of that toucan a while ago. I love seeing vintage Guinness ads with the toucan, which is like the opposite in tone of the, the dark, like bready mm. beer you're going to drink. There's nothing like tropical and fruity about it. Well, it's it's like so two, disgusting. It's like toucans, like Cockney rhyming slang or something for drinking a can of beer or something. Is that the? You no, know, I don't know. I've actually yeah. I've been to the the Guinness Brewery in Dublin um, because uh, I was on I was on vacation there and you know like someone had told me like oh even if you don't like Guinness you should try the Guinness at the Guinness Brewery because it like tastes different there because it's so fresh or whatever and I was like damn this stuff sucks this is just as bad <laughs> as, as regular Guinness it's really nasty so I I, I should I should try it again because I. I, I, uh, I'm finally becoming a beer drinker um, now mm. in my 30s. So uh, I think I, I see Guinness as a sort of the final boss of beer that I would mm. have to, you know, I've gotten I've gotten up to the point where I can drink Miller High Life and enjoy it. So now, you know, it, further down the road is the is the Guinness um, prize. My favorite record as a kid to look up was Fattest and Tallest. That was the two, especially, yeah. I mean, the gigantic twins who were also pro wrestlers, the the guys famously on the uh, the motorcycles. They'll, they'll or, show up in the show a few yes, times. Yeah, and, and yeah, the, the tallest man. But then all of them, I think this is something the Guinness also wanted to get away from later in life. That They're like, well, we don't want to inspire people to be fatter than the old record <laughs> of the fattest guy. And Or if you look up the tallest guy, it's like, oh yeah, he met gigantism and died at like 31 or something uh 22 22 no one will beat robert wadlow uh and i recognize that name because it's like who else is going to be the world tallest man no one is going to be eight foot eleven yeah no yeah Yeah. not really much you can do to get to that goal you know you could try stretching yourself uh, like bard does but not really not really gonna happen um i think i think for me i was i was into uh, guys who put too many things in their mouths you know Mm. like how many pennies can you hold in your mouth or whatever that's that's a that's a good one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the yeah. billiard balls yeah i was reading yeah. about them and it sounds like they have uh now like distanced themselves from records that are like about animal cruelty or like <laughs> self-harm and things like that <laughs> that's good although i was reading like I'm john oliver clubbed in a minute yeah <laughs> yes or like the world's fattest cat or whatever it's like please mm-hmm. don't kill your cat with food yeah, uh i was yeah. reading like john oliver was like putting them under fire for uh basically kind of falling for every like uh dictator and whatever weird stunt they wanted to do like a dictator that's starving their people it's like i'm gonna build the world's biggest blank and they're like we're gonna right. be there with our cameras yeah. so uh <laughs> that's where they're kind of uh getting attacked by like people like john oliver so and uh well, one last bit of trivia fact we have actually had on a guinness world record holder as a guest oh, on nice. on our show uh which i totally forgotten this it's uh multi-time appearer dan reichert of, oh. uh, of giant bomb fame he's uh that that's the video game website he works for it's what his record isn't for the world's biggest bomb uh but uh his record is video game related and according to the guinness website it still stands he has the longest period of playing a mario video game without stopping at 50 hours five zero wow. it is wow. not he said it in 20 
12, and it still stands to this day. So. At one point, he thought he was a hummingbird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Homer very drunkenly uh, runs off uh, to, to Moe's, and he winds up in the exact dream scenario of having the uh, Guinness Book of World Records, or the Duff one. I do like that they Duffify it instead of just mm-hmm. calling it the Guinness Book, too. But uh, but this is when Homer helps the guys with their clothespin questions. Let's see. Most clothespin swallowed, inserted. Here we go. Clip to face and neck. 116. Oh, geez, I was wrong. But I ain't angry. And I'm magnanimous in victory. <laughs> wow, that's the best book I've ever seen. Nope. The best book you've ever seen is Tom Clancy's Up Center. That thing knows me better than I know myself. <laughs> oh, here's a good one. The world's most overrated saint. Francis of Assisi. Oh, I've used up all these records. Why don't you try to set a record, Dad? That's a great idea. Do you think I could run a mile in three and a half minutes? Only on Mars. The Simpsons are going to Mars. So pack your... <laughs> Or maybe I'll think of something else. Homer's uh, pitching a better idea yes, for an episode. Yeah, this yeah. is going to Mars episode. I it also I was checking the time on the episode. I was like, it's at three minutes. The the characters are all actively bored of like, all right, enough of this world record reading book stuff. Like, we got to move on to a new plot line. Uh, and you know what? The the current record for clothespins on face. 161 set by Gary Turner of the United Kingdom on the set of Rekalar Dunyasi in Istanbul, Turkey. You know what? I have 163, but it was verified by Ripley's and not Guinness. Oh, see, I'm going by the Guinness website one. Oh, okay. Hmm. And yeah, uh, so they have the book open. They have the picture of the guy with clothespins. It's the real guy. It's actually Kevin Thackwell. It's not a comedy name under the picture. That was the guy wow. who was on. That was the guy who was on the Ripley's Believe It or Not TV show in 2001. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and his record was 120, not 116. Wow, man. Uh, it's uh, but it's clearly how did people find forty more uh, space for forty more clothespins since then? Again, you just got to be born with a bigger face. You know, it's just who's who's got the biggest face, the most surface area to put stuff on. I guess you need a big loose face. So this is yeah. not a, a stunt for the young. I tried looking up Kevin Thackwell. He's not online. So. Uh. Uh, I, I don't know where he is. Oh, the loosest face. He had face loosening surgery, adding <laughs> extra jowls to his face. Uh, uh, and I have one more. Okay, this is episode, This is just. I'm, I'm full of useless facts, and I apologize. We're just like Homer reading yes. facts to people. Did you until know? Bored. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I love that uh, Moe's favorite book is Tom Clancy. Uh, Tom Clancy's Op Center. Op Center is a series of books that started in '95 and is running to this day. Not written by Tom Clancy, all ghost written. Mm-hmm. And they are mostly ghost written by a man named Jeff Rovin, who in my youth wrote a lot of video game strategy guides. And he immediately <laughs> oh. went on to uh, write right wing propaganda for Tom Clancy. So, yeah, I, I saw the like the most recent thing mentioned on his wiki page was that he appeared on like Fox News in 2016 saying, I was like a secret fixer for the Clinton family and I set up oh, yeah. uh, Hillary Clinton with lesbian uh, relationships. <laughs> 
relationships or something. I was like, oh wow. I, I, in between <laughs> writing guides to Doom Two, he was honestly sounds was like a very cool up. job. So I don't know yeah. what he's complaining about. I mean, I know him best for how to win in Nintendo games one, two, and three. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they were called. Uh, no pictures in those books either. It's so you know now Tom Clancy is obviously quite dead and <laughs> quite dead, and there's still things labeled as Tom Clancy's blank that he never once touched. But it's funny that even when he was very alive in 1995 he's like you know this is tom clancy's op center in that i had the idea for a thing called op center and somebody else is gonna write it like it's uh the the tom clancy is an actual writer uh thing kind of lost uh, already but yeah you know what they're already eating their frosting gobs in this first shot here just setting it up i have to say that i i did hate the simpsons are going to mars joke and again <laughs> in my role as as, as a crotchety nerd uh it just irritates me because all of the sort of self-referential like here we are doing a joke about what the simpsons does stuff really irritates me because it's like it's this sort of weird like ironic detachment from like you know being the simpsons it's like well we're not really being the simpsons because we know it's kind of not as good anymore so what we're going to do is kind of make a joke about how we are the simpsons you know and i'm like that's not a joke like that's not actually a joke though that's just a reference you know the, the joke is they would do something as crazy as going to mars like no we wouldn't have the simpsons go to mars we would have Homer go on a secret special ops mission to steal sugar <laughs> from uh, a, a made-up island, but yeah. he's not going to fly to Mars. <laughs> it, it did feel like uh, the late '90s is when they really started feeling the the baggage of history, and that's when the mm -hmm. Simpsons are going to blank mm -hmm. phrases yeah. started happening. Where it's like, yeah, we sometimes do vacation episodes. It's fine. <laughs> and then uh, in a very silly joke, Homer goes to the world record place, and the people in the waiting room are there, including what seems to to be the world's fattest man but it's actually marlon brando that's the joke he's yeah he's, he's still alive for two more years so he can do mm. uh two more years of fat brando jokes I, and i feel like that joke fell out of a critic script like uh we didn't use this, <laughs> this one brando fat joke yeah there's there's multiple in here they're like well that's just critic though really the next episode that starts with like 17 movie parodies i'm like okay this was just a critic script yeah. but if when it's a Marlon Brando joke, that's what I think. Like, yeah, Critic had like seventeen Marlon Brando is fat jokes, which I get it. You grow up, and he's uh, when you're growing up as a boomer, he's this skinny sex symbol. I get it, mm. but and then he turns into a a very heavy man who's weird and lives on an <laughs> island. It's I get why you make fun of it, but it God, how corny. <laughs> but but a real corny joke comes from Homer pitching world record ideas to the. Uh, Heads of the Duff book. Fine. I'll just play the banjo with this cobra. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, technically the cobra would get the record. He's the one playing. But it's my banjo. Mr. Simpson, there are thousands of people like you with no discernible talent. Yeah, they're called Congress. <laughs> Shut up. Okay. All the individual records were set by crackpots who have killed themselves. The only way someone new can get in the book is with some kind of group stunt. Group stunt? Like that town that made the world's largest omelet. Denver? No, Spanish. <laughs> Hello, Springfielders. <laughs> I have called you all here so we can enter the Duff Book of World Records. What? I don't know. We're going to build the world's tallest human pyramid. Finally, this town will have a real claim to fame. Aye, we can stop all the lies. 
<laughs> in the Springfield birthplace of the Beatles. <laughs> you know, I mostly know Hee Haw through uh, <laughs> Simpsons parodies. We're, re- we're revisiting season three right now. We're about to get to the biggest one. But uh, mm. it's always fun to see one, especially in 2002. <laughs> yes. The, the only reason they... It felt like so monkey cheese, the like playing a banjo with a cobra. But it was just a setup. They knew they were coming to an incredibly corny joke of like Denver. No, Spanish. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's when Homer just looks at the screen of like, yep, we did a joke that stupid. We felt like (laughs) you can't stop us. Like, like you said, Libby, it's much like Simpsons go to Mars. The fun they're having is rubbing your face and like, yep, we did do that joke. Like, you can't stop us. But just not executing it as well as as seasons, you know, I don't know, like what, three or four through through eight or nine, because they, you know, it's not like they didn't do weird jokes in, in previous seasons, you know, there were all kinds of weird, like sort of quote unquote, random seeming jokes that other shows would imitate poorly, but they stuck the landing with those and they don't stick the landing here, but they substitute not sticking the landing with saying, hey, look at this. It's a Simpsons joke. Get it? It's just kind of weird. It's very sort of early 2000s, you know, just like figuring out how to deploy irony and not getting it right. Well, I have to point out Homer really went through an arc because in uh, the episode eight misbehaving, he was uh, bitten by a ton of cobras. And then in the parent rap, he had night terrors of cobras biting him because Mm. of events in the past. Now he can handle a cobra, (laughs) play the banjo with it. He's gotten over his fear. He went through a real arc. You're right. Yeah. Homer's finally free of his cobra fears that he can play. He can shove a a cobra all over a banjo and not. Also, it's like, I don't know. I did. I didn't even have it in the clip because because I thought it was just so empty. Just Homer just going like, just like, oh, Homer's just going to stand in place and make noises for 10 seconds. All right. Thankfully not three days. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But so, Bob, did you look up the uh, the human pyramid record as well? Oh, I did not. Please, please tell. So uh, the world's, uh, I'm reading this directly from uh, the Guinness website. The tallest human pyramid consisted of nine levels and was 12 meters, 39 feet high. It was completed by Joseph Juan Martinez Lozano of Cola Vela del Iquets, mounted in uh, Valls, Spain, in October 25th, 1981. It has been equaled but not beaten. In China, in July 2015, they did it again, but they could only equal that guy's height. They could not get higher than it. And huh. it took the one in China, They, uh, I couldn't find a number listed for how many people for the 81 version, but for the Chinese version in 2015, 450 people were part of that human pyramid. That's just how many. So. Wow. Now, I don't know about engineering or anything. Uh, is the weight evenly distributed or are the people on the bottom having a bad time? You know, the it actually doesn't seem. Yeah. So Homer's is an actual like triangular pyramid. The photo I saw of the Chinese version was more of like a bunch of people at the bottom and then it gets way skinnier at the top like it's more, okay it's yeah. more of like a three-dimensional pyramid not just like a just like an outline of a pyramid yeah it's more conical it yeah. looked like in the photo yes yeah so uh, and boy oh boy this is where mark kirkland says that the second he got this script he got a migraine because he's like so one we have to draw a gigantic pyramid full of dozens of identifiable characters yes then they're gonna have to have that pyramid fall apart into a giant ball of humans a people ball if you will so a few shout outs um uh, artist matthew schofield layout artist matthew schofield it took him a few days just to draw the entire pyramid of people which they used as the uh basis of the people ball like Mm. where the people would be so yes it's a very complicated drawing and if you look very closely there are a lot of painting mistakes but there are like 
a hundred people on the screen. So it's yeah. like Skinner's yeah. hair is brown. I don't care. Someone <laughs> had to draw all this. Yes, the bowl is very impressive, I will say. We have a quick joke from Krusty about Elky Summers, which he then follows that up with Great Lady Elky. Like he does he does first a joke about German sex symbol of the sixties, Elky Summer, and then he's like, but actually she's a great lady. He it's, does a lot to philanthropy. <laughs> it really I appreciate that choice, the specificity of that, because I looked her up and it's like, well, that is the perfect like old Hollywood babe for Krusty to know. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. she was on uh, Johnny Carson a bunch, she was on like Bob Hope specials and the Dean Martin show, just like the busty blue lawn you stick in sketches with an old man who's probably going to sexually harass her backstage mm-hmm. <laughs> she's an alky still with us at 81 and but uh, i didn't see a lot of charity work from her you know i looked up her philanthropy it listed some stuff of, but just general charity she's not you know like jerry lewis or whatever but yeah she's uh, and she she also was in uh, a shot in the dark and uh one of the carry on films which uh that's one of those things that like old british comedy nerds are like no nah, the carry on it's the best i'm like no it's not i would bet it's probably a very cancelable series now the carry on series undoubtedly yeah, yeah yeah no i i always just something that i knew of as um just absolute shit uh, just a really, really bad, really bad thing that uh, very, very stupid and annoying people liked. Uh, and then uh, we have a very critic-like long parody of a movie people that was new then that people don't remember now. Uh, please tell me because I'm like, what is this sting? What is this parody? I don't know what it is. So it did Homer climbing, and it's very funny seeing him expose butt cracks. Like that gives me, it's a cheap laugh, mm-hmm. but I laugh every time. But it didn't hit me. The climbing and the music is like, boy, this is is so specific it's when homer has to readjust himself and kind of turn around into his two arms uh and his like chest is out he's almost like in a, like a crucifix position or whatever it's mission impossible 2 and tom cruise climbing the mountain at the start of mission impossible 2 that's that's what it is parodying wow so that's yeah. that's a year 2000 movie yes so yeah. there are three year 2000 uh, i guess parodies we have uh that movie mission impossible 2 we have chocolate and yes. we also have aaron brock yes yeah yeah it's you know hey they're doing current movies then it's uh i'll give them credit for that but yeah i when homer turner i was like oh okay this for now i maybe we don't remember mission impossible 2 as much just because like tom cruise has done so many more crazier stunts than that uh that mountain climb at the start of mission impossible 2 honestly him climbing the dubai skyscraper in mission impossible ghost protocol is much more memorable to me than uh, than the mountain in mission impossible 2 yeah, I have to say that 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 didn't register with me as a as a reference. A lot of a lot of Simpsons references go over my head because uh, I'm missing a lot of cultural canon due to being stupid and uh, being not American. And uh, that one went way over my head. And I have to say, honestly, the only thing it reminded me of is I'm playing Horizon Forbidden West right now, and it just reminded me. I was like, hey, that's kind of like when Aloy does a jump that she absolutely can't do. But that's as far as my brain <laughs> went towards understanding what was going on. When Homer falls after the Bumblebee man's. Uh, stinger breaks there's an angle of him falling i'm like well he's dead and then the yeah, next right. angle it's like no he's very close out. to it actually <laughs> yeah uh but but homer writes himself and climbs the rest of the way up uh and they're still not breaking the limit that's when maggie magically appears and gets placed on homer's head and uh they it almost counts but they can't stay still for three mississippi thanks to teen homophobia Mm -hmm. uh separating that gay gay panic yes gay panic does it and so this is when dozens of people hundreds really tumble all in one shot to then create a 
people balls. Yes, and this is before the show was digital. So what they had to do was basically what old school animators did in the past, and that's rotoscope. So uh, basically, director Mark Kirkland, he got layout artist Paul Wee, which his name dropped a ton on these commentaries. Like they love Paul Wee, just a very talented artist. He basically drew the people onto a globe that Mark had painted white, and they used that as the basis for the ball what it would look like as it was moving they just photographed it a bunch to say like okay when the ball turns here's how all the people on it turn they basically trace that uh right. in, in a rotoscopy way it's hard to explain but if this is a futurama episode they could just tell uh you know rough draft build us a people ball mm. and then computers can rotate it but because this is pre-digital they have to do everything by hand every frame of this ball is drawn by a person <laughs> wow. and well, and we, we've also uh, take a shot at mentioning another interview we did, but we also did interview Mark Kirkland, and I, I like that, you know, he's an old school kind of guy. Like, he grew up loving the, the masters of old animation, so I kind of like that his way of meeting that challenge was saying like oh well then let's just draw on a real ball and then photograph it in rotoscope like let's do what disney would have done in you know 101 dalmatians or whatever like that's such a clever thing but this was the biggest part on the commentary where kirkland is trying to impart how impossible a task they were handed the huge amount of work done to make this stupid idea work and then the frustration he is feeling as the writers are just joking around about like oh yeah the people oh did you make two people balls did you lose one of the balls like ah man i, I just feel i get that they're like trying to goof around with him or whatever but they should be like on their knees like praying to mark right. kirkland for the work <laughs> him and his team did on this and yeah. That then leads to a whole discussion on the commentary, like, so do the computers help with drawing it? Do, oh, do you still draw it on paper and then scan it? Wow. I was like, you, no, you guys should know this. You, so, but sorry, Libby, you were going to say some stuff. I, I've been on no, no, here. not at all. No, I had, I had no, no thoughts other than just that. I agree that, uh, that I, I can totally imagine. I haven't listened to the commentary, but totally imagine that kind of uh, writer smugness of thinking that, you know, writing is something that only, only I could do because I'm the perfect genius, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, anybody can write down an idea. It's for an animator to actually make it work on the Simpsons. That yeah. I, I, I think David Silverman, uh, years before this, they sent him like a very impossible scene to animate. Like, a, a zoo train going out of control or something like that yeah the zoo train crashes into a it, sorry it's no it's a circus train that crashes into a zoo so all the animals start fighting each other yes that was it and yeah. he sent back a fax of a drawing of him losing his mind and they, <laughs> they changed the actual joke <laughs> just uh, into a giant riot of people which yeah. also was very hard for them to draw yeah, the the the, the I, animators are certainly taken for granted, but uh, but yes. So then there's a big ball of doom scene, people falling into it. Marge, Marge saying my hairstyle. That's a very random, <laughs> random thing to say. I do like the guy jumping into it and, and saying like, "Hello, a ironic twist." Like, but. My favorite bit is after everybody crashes uh, very conveniently onto a truckway station, Kearney is dead yeah. in the next shot. Yeah, yeah. He, I noticed he's... that too. I, I'm like, what, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just say that he was resuscitated after this. But I just love that he's like, dude, you're on me, dude. Like, <laughs> that Kearney, Kearney is a corpse. But yes, the, the Springfield accidentally sets a world, world record after all. I am so far from my car. Dude, you're lying on top of me. Dude. Wait a minute. Look at the scale. 
Divide by the number of people, subtract belts and shoes. <gasps> Everyone, welcome to the Duff Book of World Records. Springfield is the world's fattest town. <laughs> In your face, Milwaukee! You know, Milwaukee is a as fat as town. I guess that's good, but it's not. It's no East St. Louis. Like that, uh, I like the specificity of bit their cruelty to the very poor town of East St. Louis. People are too poor there to be fat. Sure, sure. Uh, Milwaukee <laughs> is like the land of beer and cheese. Mm-hmm. You can't go wrong there. Oh yeah, and fried cheese. Mm. <laughs> I mean, Great oh town. man, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the Simpson, the the Springfield is officially the fattest city. It gets them on the cover of the newest edition of the uh, Guinness Book of World Records. They are now uh, Fat City USA. So the reasoning for this was that when they were coming up with world records, that I believe Omine says it was her that it hit. Uh, it hit her. They're like, wait. A lot of our characters, especially the men in the show, are drawn with at least a belly, if not being very obese. And so yeah. they, they go straight for it in this episode. It was there was the stock male character design of adult men on the show where if you look at uh, characters designed after maybe like season 10, they're different. But like every man on the show, uh, every little boy, too, is the upside down light bulb body. Mm-hmm. They all have little guts. <laughs> yeah. The graining style really loves drawing guts on people. It's a funny, it's a funny art style. I, I laugh seeing some of the, the guts on it, but yeah, seeing all of the hugest characters uh, like undulating very unnaturally in the front <laughs> row. Uh, you know, I forgot this is another one of the Homer pennants. You know, it's the girth pennant. My eyes are always drawn to his fat pride shirt that I'm ne- I miss. His his pennant that says girth, the, the, another of Homer's good, many wonderful pennant. pennants. I would I would yeah. put that on my wall for sure. <laughs> and I mean, fat, fat pride is a joke, but it's like twenty years later, there's like uh, more conversations about fat acceptance and things like that. So uh, mm-hmm. it's just interesting to see, like, well, isn't that a silly idea? But it's just right. like, well, these are conversations we have now, you know. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, you know, I think I think body positivity is a good thing, though. You should ask your doctor, like, hey, you know, should I lose some weight? But uh, there are some shitty doctors out there too. But probably, probably you don't need as many fudge stuff toaster pies. Probably. <laughs> That's, uh, though, boy, as a little kid into my early 30s, I was a big fan of the real life fudge stuff toaster pies, which are toaster strudel, which, oh, yeah. uh, they, you know, in my childhood, the apple toaster strudel and cherry, those are my favorites. But then later in life, I, I didn't eat these ones because uh, I still like the fruit versions. But they did just cut to the chase, just like Pop-Tarts of just like, why don't we just fill this with chocolate? Why are we why are we <laughs> pretending that there's fruit inside? Let's just put chocolate or sugar. Who are we fooling? Now, yeah. Henry, uh, life fact. Did you put the little frosting packet near the toaster on the edge of the toaster? I would. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's true. Smart. Yeah, see, we never had toaster strudel. We only had Pop-Tarts in my poor, deprived country. Um, we uh. only had Pop-Tarts. And I, I love Pop-Tarts, I have to say. I mean, again, like, as a kid growing up, I ate so much trash. And Pop-Tarts was right at, the, right at the top of the list. I remember when we had Lucky Charms in the UK. And I want to say that they were, I don't know if they were, like, taken off the market, but they certainly disappeared <laughs> from the market. And I remember being really disappointed um, and seeing them in The Simpsons, you know, parodied in The Simpsons and being like, damn, that stuff's, that stuff's great. I wish we had those still. I mean, they should be illegal honestly the, the, all that, that many yeah. those I, now I'm sounding like Jamie Oliver here all of a sudden but uh, yeah I, I do I mean <laughs> again though here it's like Marge, you're buying these fudge stuff toaster pies. Like, you know, be the change already. Right. Marge. Why, why like, yeah. are you at the children? She's like, oh, you kids do eat a lot of sugar. It's like, 
well, you're their mom? <laughs> no, no, they're yeah. not going to the store. <laughs> Though clearly, you know, Lisa loves sugar, but it's not affecting her. Like, she is, you know, of, of normal weight. Uh, but Bart, you can still, uh, anytime they want to call Bart fat, I'm like, I guess he is fat the way you draw him. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. uh, but yes, uh, they uh, as there's a cute little joke. I guess it's Oliver Hardy acting. Who would you say like the way Maggie moves the fudge from her eyes? Like it's a real silent comedy mm. kind of. Yeah. Long yeah, I I don't know if it's referencing a specific shot, but it does feel like yeah, Laurel and Hardy, like someone just like wiping slowly and then flicking it away in anger. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The 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 gradualness of it feels it. Yeah, I and you know this really is pretty much just the same as Homer with the rice cakes joke but i like that homer is handed a grapefruit which he only uses to cover in sugar lick clean of sugar and throw away a grapefruit that's that is why he bought a grapefruit uh, not even to enjoy any of the grapefruit you know i it, i noticed that bit because one of my something i used to get from a restaurant in dc that was really good was uh a, a, a brulee grapefruit it was a gr- grapefruit half with sugar on top that was like brulee like on a creme brulee and that was really good and i was like oh shit i'm homer <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was well, as long as you ate the actual grapefruit meat as well not just the yeah, so, not just yeah. the creme brulee <laughs> so whenever the simpsons does uh food parodies they always age the worst because this is hogtown everybody we gotta we gotta up the stakes every year with what we're eating and uh yeah uh i mean back in the year 2002 i'm sure it's like you got your apple toaster strudel you got your blueberry whatever now I'm looking online like, is there anything close to what the Simpsons are eating? Yes. There is a Hershey's toaster strudel. The filling is chocolate. The pastry is chocolate. And yes, you do put chocolate icing on top. Good Lord. Yes. Wow. That's that's so much chocolate. Boy, they wouldn't have done even that joke in this episode. Man, that's so much chocolate. Uh, though I don't think yet we have Choco Blasted Baby Aspirin. No, no, no. We no. have it yet. Not but, yet. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, Marge starts investigating it. She goes to uh, the, the Quickie Mart where she learns about sugar with free donuts and, and how everything is full of sugar there. Uh, and I like that Hibbert, Hibbert never gets angry, but hearing him go like, damn it, and, <laughs> and just slamming that, I was like, wow, that's shocking, a shocking thing to hear from old old so, Hibbert there. Not to go back, but I did love both the uh, gluttony and the waste of Homer dipping the half grapefruit in sugar, sucking on it, and then mm. throwing it away. Yes, uh, into a pile of uneaten grapefruits. Yes. It reminded yeah. me, I mean, mm-hmm. nutri- people understand nutrition better over time, and like my grandma was a thin woman, but when it was time to eat like strawberries yes we would put sugar on them <laughs> wow. and now when i eat them today i'm like well these are already sweet what, what were we yeah, doing oh yeah it's like uh, uh I, I need honey on these grapes like i don't think so uh so honey up your grapes boy <laughs> uh so so yes marge is being her usual nagging self uh which is when uh, she learns about the sugar company from apu Apu, everything in this store is overloaded with sugar. Marge has a point. Sugar is not only fattening, it's also terribly, terribly addictive. Uh, is my carton of pixie sticks in? No, it hasn't come in yet. Damn it! When they come in, you call me at this number. 911? I am sorry, but everything in this store, from the honey-glazed cauliflower to the choco-blasted baby aspirin, comes from the mother-loving sugar corporation. Well, I'm going to have a talk with them. Where are their worldwide headquarters located? Why, right down the street. That's lucky. (laughs) Yay. 
So yeah. uh, one thing we didn't touch on up front, we had a big discussion up front about, you know, nutrition and public health and even insurance. One thing we didn't touch upon is that this episode is definitely influenced by the Atkins diet craze. Ah, yes. And that had been going on since the 70s, yeah. but this was one of the peak years. I mean, like my parents, yeah. I'm sure I know they had the Sugar Busters uh, book or whatever, like one of the many Atkins related books on the market but this was a big time for atkins and i misremembered this episode as being the episode about uh banning trans fats that would happen four years later when mayor bloomberg banned all trans fats from new york restaurants mm. so uh marge is ahead of the game here and doing like uh, what would you call, i guess you would call nanny state kind of yeah, thing or nagging yeah or nagging through the courts using yes. the law to nag yeah. <laughs> and also you know bloomberg has like the vice taxes on soda and whatever and i mean like yeah yeah, it's a tax on poor people and i say like my solution my ideal solution is uh make healthy food more affordable and give people more time mm -hmm. to make it mm -hmm. yeah well that's not gonna happen it won't happen no, no. no yeah i mean you do just sort of have to look at other countries um you know it's sort of uh, easy to forget that you know it's not just like oh it could be different it's like no it is different in other in other countries the other countries don't have the same you know ob even though obesity is a problem across the world it's not just an american thing you know britain is more obese than it used to be and so on you do sort of have to think why is it so different here is it that americans are just inherently you know more addicted to sugar you know sort of biologically no of course it's not you know you have to you have to look at like you say the reasons that people end up eating worse and i totally agree that i i you know we, we've gone over this but um i don't know why you would sort of harp on the personal choice thing because at the at the end of the day is making fun of people for being fat going to make them not fat i really mm. <laughs> don't think so because if that was true people wouldn't be fat by now because kids get bullied for being fat all the time so yeah yeah i uh, well and also like i mean for bloomberg especially a, a, a truly evil awful little man like yes. he uh, it's part of like this punitive punishment thing and also it's like not to mention too it it is a bit of you know coastal elitism i have to say of mm -hmm, like that yeah. me and bob talked about this before and so i'm just stealing what bob said but it's like it is like oh in all these red states they're eating the drinking their big sodas we're not gonna let that happen in new york no sir like which again it's like i mean yeah there is uh, in, in the red estate south certainly there is a lot of obesity issues there but it's i uh, i don't know I, I me and bob also dug into some of like suing mcdonald's as well which they they joke about on the commentary they're like oh when we when marge takes it to the sugar company and we joke that it would be like suing mcdonald's but then that happened but yeah like uh one of the the people who used a lot of nag he got mcdonald's to stop cooking everything in beef tallow which made the food way healthier mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh if you can imagine mcdonald's being worse for you it, yeah. it was true before 1990 <laughs> that person probably saved a bunch of lives by yeah <laughs> or at least like lengthened them you know though uh libby i don't know if you've seen that in the uh in some of the right-wing reactionary spaces the beef tallow going out of mcdonald's is kind of a uh, is a sticking point i don't know if you've seen this interesting now i only know about it i think they mentioned it on doughboys as like the reason the fries used to taste better and i'm sure i'm sure they did taste better in, in beef tallow but it's also just like fine with them not mm. in beef tallow it's like not really that important um but yeah th there's definitely that's the thing in, in in britain too the sort of reactionary 
The big one that I can think of in Britain was when we have this candy uh, at Marks and Spencers, which is like a sort of nicer grocery department store. They sell these uh, like gummy candies called Percy Pig and they have like a whole line. It's like for children and they have like a whole line of them where it's like Percy Pig and like Colin the Caterpillar and all this stuff. And it's like everybody loves it. It's all very twee and cute. <laughs> and they used to make the Percy Pigs with pork gelatin. And I guess they changed the recipe so that they would be vegetarian. Uh, and like the sort of Sun, Daily Mail, you know, Breitbart, mm-hmm. Nexus got really mad about that. You know, they're oh, taking our Percy Pigs away and you know, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, that was that was our version of that. And it's very stupid because get over it. I, I think those McDonald's fries tasted better in 1989 in your memory because you were like younger and, and happier. <laughs> and like yes. that. It's not it's not the beef tallow, it's your youth you miss. And I, you, had, you had a developing brain who just wanted base instincts like fat, sugar, yeah, pleasure. Yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah, yeah. Although but, I will say the best fish and chips I ever had were at a place where they would cook them in what we called beef drippings, which I'm sure drippings and tallow are the same. It's just fat, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, they probably are really good, but not not exactly necessary or worth waging some kind of cultural campaign for you know you can you can go to another restaurant that will that will serve them if if you want them well and also some of the frying mediums i at at, at fast food places in use soy so yeah mm. you know, well you know that's, that that's pretty embarrassing yeah yeah anywho when marge goes to mother loving well that's when the big old guest star of the episode who i always forget is actually done the simpsons is yeah. in the show like i, mean, I never remember this blink and you'll miss him in this episode he's yeah. got like three scenes even though he's drawn to look exactly like him so you'd even remember it that way but but yes here's our big guest star in our next clip excuse me i'm looking for the head of mother loving sugar yes i'm garth mother loving i'm marge simpson Long time customer, first time complainer. Hey Marge, I'm not up on the current slang, but did the kids still say, get the hell out of my office? I want you to stop putting so much sugar in everything. Or at least warn people that it's so unhealthy. Hmm, that'll boost sales. While we're at it, why don't I just change my name back to Hitler? Don't you (laughs) have any sense of corporate responsibility? Hey. Look, lady, if you have a problem, bring it up with your sewing circle, okay? We're on hiatus. Everyone's everywhere. (laughs) Note to Marge, get out. I'll play it later. Oh, the Marge stuff is so funny, which is why I'm sad she disappears in the third act. When, mm-hmm. she, when she gets her way. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's Homer has to be a wacky guy. In yeah. This, yeah, I mean, Marge yeah. episodes never get to be Marge episodes, really. <laughs> a Marge episode is, at best, five minutes of Marge, and then Homer, Captain Wacky, takes it back over. But uh, <laughs> We were at uh, peak stiller saturation. He just met the parents uh, in wow. 2000. Another 2000 right. movie. Man. And also, Jerry Stiller transitioned from uh, Seinfeld to uh, King of Queens. Mm. So no matter where you were looking, there was a stiller in front of you. So much stiller, God, man. Yeah, I Ben Stiller, I think, is a a fine comedy actor, and and also like he gave jobs to a lot of my favorite people. Like when he started the Ben Stiller Show, uh, he hired you know uh, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross, and uh, and also uh, Andy Dick when that was okay to do. But uh, though honestly, he was committing crimes then too. But hey, Janine Garofalo, no complaints about her. But I do think that 
I gotta say, Ben Stiller's jerk a guy character, I never think he's that good at it. Like he's it's like he's doing impression of like Will Farrell playing a jerk boss or something. Like he's just I prefer regular guy Ben Stiller in the comedic role when he's like being dunked on as opposed to jerk boss Ben Stiller character. I, I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I, d- I did think it was kind of a waste of, of Ben Stiller. You know, I actually I don't know if I've really seen that many Ben Stiller movies. The main things I know Ben Stiller from are his role on Arrested Development, where he's really funny uh, because he's playing a dumb guy, and his brief cameo in The Trip, um, where he's in Steve Coogan's Dream, um, and both of those he's really funny. I think he has the, I think he has absolutely has the capacity to be really funny, and I think it was just like a total waste because he wasn't really, I don't know, he wasn't really like playing a particular like you say it's not really a character just it just didn't really land for me yeah there's no real angle outside the fact that he's uh obviously evil yeah yeah i i mean i do like is like maybe i should change my name back to hitler yeah yeah i don't know that was lazy to me as well because it's like okay you just picked the worst thing you just picked the (laughs) worst name you know i feel like previous simpsons might have chosen come like might have come up with a funny name you know like i'm thinking about mr glasscock you know like you you can do that (laughs) you know you can come up with your own funny bad name you don't have to just like oh hitler you know it's very sort of family guy i also do think note to self jokes even by 2002 were like oh, this is getting old i guess but at the very least yeah. they subvert it with him handing marge a tape and she's like i'll listen to it later like, <laughs> but i also yeah. i yeah. i yeah. do like marge treating his so- her sewing circle like it's a like writer's retreat or something like everybody's everywhere that's an all right line Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yes marge reflects on him as being a meanie beanie fofini and uh this is also when they find out there's one oompa loompa Mm. but he's kept in a cage and he wasn't moving (laughs) i i forgot to say my thoughts on ben stiller i'm sure everyone needs to hear them immediately but uh i uh being like a a comedy nerd i was like oh ben still in the 90s i was like ben stiller is interesting he's like directing he's attached to like darker movies like the cable guy he's also performing he's got like these lesser known sketch comedy shows like uh the ben stiller show it's got his name in it for christ's sake and this is the era in which i uh, i was very turned off of Ben Stiller because he's like he's in all of the cringe comedies where he's the guy I mean something about Mary was fine but that, yeah. that kicked off an entire like decade of like uh, long came Polly in all of those movies where he's like playing the same hapless wiener in all of them <laughs> and everybody loved them uh, and I'm like where is the dark Ben Stiller the child of Hollywood mm. the the little Ben that could and uh, he just was making a lot of money and well now the last few i mean the last i'd say decade or so is like he he just makes very safe choices or or also though it's uh he has very well-meaning but kind of you know centrist liberal like just uh charity stuff it's it's good and all i mean at the, at the time of this recording he just went over to the ukraine and, and did a bunch of stuff with uh, like photo ops with Zelensky, just because there's there's a general feeling and of uh, celebrities at his level of like this isn't getting covered he's much as it used to and we need to keep paying attention to it and all that which like again just in case people are thinking this is some podcast where we think that where we love vladimir putin no he should not invade that country and we agree it's bad mm-hmm. he's he's bad and a bad guy just 
like Ben Stiller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, so Lisa then brings up uh, class action lawsuits, which then, just so it's right in our face, Bart just has to say, you're like Aaron, like, no, sorry, like Aaron Brockovich, Homer says, and then Bart misconstrues it with a different Julia Roberts movie, uh, Pretty Woman, saying the hooker with a heart of gold. Just to get in our face, yes, this is Aaron Brockovich, who Aaron Brockovich, the real one, she actually recorded a deleted cameo in the Simpsons movie because she was going to like sue over the uh, all of the e- ecological damage, environmental damage that's the start of the Simpsons movie. But they just cut her out of it. They didn't use her. But yes. But Erin uh, Brockovich was the talk of Hollywood, mainly not for her like actual, you know, cause of helping people, but because it got Julia Roberts finally that Oscar that she'd been wanting to get all this time. She finally won it. Thanks to thanks to playing Erin Brockovich. That movie. Uh, there was a lot of talk about breasts when that movie came out, correct? They're uh, like... She has quite a strong bustier. Okay. I, I believe in her Oscar acceptance speech, Julia Roberts in- included thanking her wardrobe department for giving her more prominent breasts than she normally has, I believe. That was one of the people she thanked, yes. I'm just doing some googling here. <laughs> <Don't mind me. laughs> oh, like, give it a search. Yeah, no, I see it. Yes. Yep, alright, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's good stuff. Good stuff. Love to see it. Well, I, see, that's the, you know, that's the reverse verse of the you know Charlize Theron she put on a uh, big ugly nose for monster or whatever but meanwhile like uh, Julie Roberts she gets that Oscar by revealing her chest more but anyway so yeah honestly I'm shocked they didn't do boob jokes with her with when they do all these Aaron Brockovich yeah. lines here. hey we're saving the Marge boob jokes for next season oh that's right that where they go nuts with them in large Marge. yeah we'll get there we'll get yes. there folks calm down everybody <laughs> yes yeah so in the next scene, well, this is where the in-universe, they're kind of doing the behind-the-scenes thing, which is basically, the Simpsons have had a problem for four years at this point. Who is their lawyer? There's no more Lionel Hutz. They're not going to recast Lionel Hutz. And I think this is the episode where they just make it official, like, you know what? If they're going to have a lawyer, it's Gil. Mm-hmm. It'll just be Gil. He works as a loser, and he could be a lawyer who's bad. Like so. At this point, he's been on the show for five years. Yeah, so yeah. So he's, 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 he's no longer a newer character and you know what in one of lionel hutz's final appearances gill works for him mm-hmm. like he's yeah, that's that was gill's first appearance so it's kind of a pass of the torch to gill and look yeah, we all love gill gill is a great newer simpsons character in that he's only 23 years old it's, uh it's... 25 i think oh yeah you're right yeah, you're, <laughs> maybe maybe 24 Let, let's not <laughs> let's not count too many numbers here but uh, but yes gill is hired as their lawyer then gill immediately says he will not do any of the work a lawyer will do <laughs> because it has to be Marge talking to the clients for the next series of jokes. Oh, pick me! I just passed the bar, see? Hoppin', hmm. we want to sue the sugar industry for selling a harmful product. We have to sign up plaintiffs and take depositions from the townspeople. God, ah, geez, you don't want old Gil going door to door. Oh, I've made too many enemies selling suckless vacuum cleaners and Rick James Bibles. Don't worry, I'll do the legwork. I'm filing a class action lawsuit against Big Sugar. Would you like to give a deposition? Sure, I'll join your lawsuit. Sugar's made my Ralphie hyperactive. I'm happy and angry! Oh, shoot, I'll sign. Figured them sugar folk owe me for what they done to my cousin, Diabetti. I'm trying to slim down so I can fit into Mama's coffin. <laughs> That's my reward. 
Jesus. Marge makes a noise just so we know we're supposed to be disgusted uh, with this character. The, right. the, the debut of Diabetti, everybody. Yep. Yeah. She made more uh, appearances than I thought she did until yeah. I looked at the wiki. Uh, I Diabetti's mean. It's just a bunch of mean jokes about a, a fat, poor, uh, white trash person. But Looking forward to dying. I mean, the darkness of the joke of trying to slim down so I can fit in mama's coffin. That's at least good as like a shock laugh I, I had there. But Diabetti obviously is a joke about, you know, in general, white trash people who are overweight. But uh, I think it's very specifically about the actress Darlene Cates, who was in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the very large mother of that movie who she, despite her character dying very quickly in the movie, uh, spoilers for that movie sorry but uh she lived to 2017 and in 2010 uh, lost 240 pounds hey you know what speaking of uh, tropic thunder leo dicaprio in that movie oh that's right what's he doing yeah. we're not gonna say it but you know what we're saying yeah right yeah that's also right. changing the subject uh no proven link between sugar and hyperactivity did you know that oh no i didn't based yeah. on it's all based on one faulty study done in the 70s they've done several since there's no link at all how do you like that and it's funny uh this was happening back in the 90s where uh we're gonna talk about beavis and butthead there's uh, beavis Beavis's alter ego Cornholio he becomes Cornholio when he eats a lot of sugary things and caffeine in the second episode because they got so many letters about <laughs> there was no proven link Van Dreesen the teacher says you know that's funny I read a study that says there was no link between sugar and hyperactivity <laughs> so right. within Beavis and Butthead they're addressing all the complainers oh uh, that's great yeah uh, so if you know okay. kid, uh, people with kids and they're like my kids are bouncing off the walls after they ate this thing you say you're a liar <laughs> your kids are monsters when I was a kid, the um, the thing that parents would say or that, that kids would repeat that their parents had told them was that blue food coloring was supposedly the thing that caused hyperactivity. I remember other kids saying like, oh, did you know it's actually it's blue Smarties or, you know, like blue M&Ms or whatever that that make kids hyperactive. And I was I, I think even as a kid, I was like, no, they fucking don't. That's so stupid. <laughs> I, I yeah. think when we were kids in, in uh, grade school, we would look at the the food dyes and like yellow five shrinks your balls or something mm. like that one of one of those yeah. urban legends right exactly <laughs> though i identify with you know sometimes as a kid i also felt uh, ralph's pain of being happy and angry at the same time that's uh, <laughs> oh, for sure, that, all the time that's just general anxiety you know that's the best feeling that's... yeah <laughs> oh and yes diabetti her she was last seen in the show in season 26 i think that's <laughs> they've they've since retired her i don't remember seeing her in there was a very cletus focused episode Episode recently and i don't remember seeing diabetes in it uh well actually it was more literally not lurleen uh brandine brandine yeah. thank you yes the, uh, diabetes not uh, missing in action also uh speaking of cletus lore that fancy signature he puts on there i do believe this is the first time they make his last name spuckler mm, okay this is uh, when he signs it is cletus spuckler that's uh which you know now that's everywhere you can go to you'll see cletus spuckler written all over the place at the themed restaurant for his uh chicken shack at uh or where he serves chicken thumbs at the universal studios hollywood which uh, you know what libby since moving there have you have you been into springfield at universal no i haven't i haven't been to universal though i have, I have thought about it because it's it's not that far from where I live. The um, the, the closest in and out, taking account, uh, taking into account traffic, is uh, Universal, very near the Universal Studios. So that's why I know where it is because I've been to mm. In and Out a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I I feel like I have to go. But again, like being 
being a crotchety comic book guy style nerd about the simpsons <laughs> it might just make me mad you know they get more right than not the uh oh, i think you'll good. be okay. like oh that's the real thing that's the real and hey if all this sugar talk makes you hungry you'll love one of their giant donuts the the big pink they sell there is all uh, right you've so you've definitely sold me yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah honestly the simpsons ride is like the least interesting thing about it but it's still good it's a good ride everybody's heard us talk listen to us on podcast ride we did we did all our talk about this but okay you know the, the very funny improv comic guy slash comedy writer sean clemens had this uh thought that i never forget which he says every person's third sketch in sketch writing class is what if candy was drugs huh. and i think about that every time i see like oh see the cocaine sugar is cocaine but at least it's a specific coke addict joke about a 70s coke addict guy mm. at least at least it's that with old disco stew and even on the commentary they recognize that like they wrote a lot of scenes where a character backs out of a room nervously they really were <laughs> doing it quite a lot then which is what marge does here there, there's a very good one coming up in which homer uh catches a poo cheating on his wife and he like backs away and then we see him backing down the street and like backing yeah. into the bedroom uh, yes yeah. Yeah, it's very good <laughs> that's a good one yeah yes we then also have another scene where marge is guilted just like an itchy and scratchy and marge the blame is on the mother for not taking care obviously a mother's job is to cook uh dinner every night she can have her dumb little hobbies but dinner's got to be cooked and they they got to guilt her about that but <laughs> I, I at least like uh, the Homer's guilt trip here in this uh, a little clip I've got uh, that, that starts our next plot device here. Well, well, if it isn't the woman who's too busy saving the world to save her own marriage. What are you talking about? Is that dinner? It was dinner. Why didn't you just turn off the oven? I was hoping we could do that together. <laughs> Hello? Marge Simpson. Who is this? I'm an anonymous whistleblower. I worked on a top secret project called Operation Hiving Maving. Professor Frank? Oh, what gave me away? Out of curiosity, was it the Hoiven or the Maven or was it the whole Gahivy thing that I do? So, Professor. Tell us about Operation Hoiven Maven. Well, we knew perfectly well it was addictive. Candy was just a sugar delivery system. We thought we were God, Hoiven Maven. Frank, you little weasel. I'll kill you! May I remind you we're in open court? I'll kill you too! I'll kill you all! Mr. Motherloving, that could be interpreted as a threat. I'll kill you while you sleep. Objection! Mm, I'll allow it. <laughs> so, was this the insider stuff here, Libby? The, uh, yes. The, yeah, okay. When he says uh, it was a sugar delivery mechanism, that's uh, Russell Crowe says that it that the cigarettes were a nicotine delivery mechanism. In, in ah. I also love that when he's on the phone there and he gives himself away with Operation Hoiven Maven, that then when he's in court and being asked about it, no, it is Operation Hoiven Maven. Yeah, that, that, is, that is good. <laughs> I also do love Homer's like just that he still eats the garbage after running out of the room. He's still going to eat it, but yeah. I hope we can do that together. But yeah, Frank, there's some cute stuff with Frank here. Though also this whole bit about threatening to kill everybody in court, that's that's the freddie quimby joke yeah, from the yes. boy who knew especially those much. of you in the jury yeah 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 i think he had the same lawyer too yes the blue haired lawyer. lawyer yeah <laughs> uh new de debut of another character we have diabetes and also count fudula 
Yes, yeah, not Count Chocula. Yeah, it's... <laughs> and apparently he's friends with Mr. Burns and, and real. Yes. But he can also be out during the day. Yeah, they... But uh, And Al Jean makes point of saying that it's Dracula who's a member of the Republican Party in Springfield, not right. Count Fudgula. This is a different guy. <laughs> Though also complicating things even more, when Mr. Burns buys the cereal that looks like him in The Old Man and the Lisa, it is Count Chocula. Mm -hmm. They didn't... Oh, I, wow. I think in between the Fox lawyer that they work with got a little more in the few years between. They're like, no, you can't just call him Chocula. You got to make up a guy like you got to. I and, and I'm going to say it. I never I love sugary cereals. I'll, if you gave me Cinnamon Toast Crunch right in front of me, I'd eat it and ask for seconds. And that's why I don't buy it anymore. <laughs> but I never like Count Chocula. Never. It sucked. It was like mm -hmm. there's something about the chocolate didn't taste good. The uh, cereal bit consistency. Like it's just like, I don't know. I never like Count Chocula. I, Bob, I know you are. Uh, you've enjoyed a monster cereal here and there. I, I bought a, a box of uh, Monster Mash, which uh, that came out around Halloween. It was a huge box. Uh, I bought it because the box looked fun, but I made it about two thirds of the way in and just told myself, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> like even eating a few bowls a week, I, I was never going to make it to the bottom of that box. That was me with the Dunkin' Donuts, uh, like Frostachino cereal or whatever. You know, you got to try it. I mean, at least with cereal, it's only like a few bucks. So if you uh, mm. if you only eat half the box, it's not the end of the world. But uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of misses on that. There hasn't been like a really good new cereal in a long time. I feel like cereal innovation has ended. You know, they, they try some new flavors that, well, you know, once you get to Oops All Berries, you just can't. Where do you go from there? You've already got all That's the right. berries. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, just eat a candy bar. Uh, but yes, Count Fudgula has worked for them for 20 of your mortal years, which that's a great line. Uh, and also that, yes, he's has gingivitis and uh, now he must mash up his victims, which it's like, wait, so Count Fudgula, he eats sugar, but also people? He like, feeds on the living, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's complicated, this, <laughs> all this Fudgula stuff. But so then things aren't looking good for mother loving. Sir, this is a house of justice, not a sugar shack. It's Hershey Highwaymen like you who made me fat. Well, Your Honor, the court carries it well. Silence! I rule in favor of Marge Simpson. Yay! Oh, I'm so proud of you. And thanks to Marge Simpson's damning evidence, I hereby ban all sugar products from Springfield forever! Get in the car. <laughs> That's a really dark uh, act yeah, break joke. Yeah. Homer, Homer may beat Marge, it feels like, <laughs> after this uh, commercial break. <laughs> it's, it's very, yes, yeah. I, so uh, then when we come back from commercial break, here's another of my favorite jokes of, in the Al Jean era, some of my favorite jokes are when it's just jokes about being a comedy writer, whether it's saying like... Well, yeah, uh, sorry, you're out of life experience when yeah, you're, you've worked yeah. on the show for 10 years. Well, they've used all their life experience in the, you know, th almost 300 episodes that precede this, so all they have are jokes about being a comedy writer and pitching jokes. And so uh, here's here's a, a, a flurry of Aaron Brockovich pitches. Or Aaron Brocko pitches? How's that for a Aaron Brocco pitch? Yeah, yeah. they're real Aaron Brocco pitch in this clip. Good evening. Our top story: Springfield's cake hole has been shut forever under what has been dubbed Marge's Law. All forms of sugar are now illegal. Thank you, Aaron Choco Snitch. That was a group effort. I was just trying to make this a healthier place to live. Well, good work, Blue Heron Brocco Witch. Okay, that was mine. <laughs> 
Uh, and then they just have a joke that he's just reading off every silly name they pitched for for candy names, which my favorite big red snack foam. That's the best. Yeah, that's uh, why that's I opened good. with it. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> funny. Like the writers have so many memories uh, of pitching jokes. If you ask like Bill Oakley, oh, whose joke was this? He'll be like, well, George Meyer pitched it. Mike Scully added this and the room came up with that. You'll, you'll learn about every step of the joke. Dan Graney is one of the top guys of of joke deconstructologists because he's like he says, I made up in Biggin and then David X. Cohen uh, came along with Cromulent to big it up. And then no people remember Cromulent more than in Biggin, but he could have never come up with Cromulent <laughs> if I didn't pitch in Biggin, like <laughs> stuff like that. Which oh, That sounds exhausting to think about, to have, like, ca- to carry that around for like 30 years. It sounds hellish. <laughs> hey, if you almost made up Cromulent or helped inspire Cromulent, I'd remember it too. <laughs> and again, uh, reality outpaced satire because the joke is there's a donut cereal, but there there currently is one, right? Yes, yeah, Libby, yeah, Libby just, just mentioned it. One. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's one. Yeah, yeah. And it's not honestly. Good. It was one of the best SNL parody jokes of the 80 of Belushi, uh, G- Jim Belushi, John Belushi, the little chocolate donut cereal was another classic one, but which is just real. Yes. And uh, yes, then it comes to, of course, a music montage of first they they play two very obvious ones. And I, I want to agree, Bob, with your charitable pitch of why they do that, which is that they know it's obvious to you, say, I want candy in this scene and that mm-hmm, yeah. part of the joke is this is an obvious song. Get yeah. ready for a lot of that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Al Jean had a but he look, he had a music budget and damn it, he was going to use it. And now it's bleeding Disney dry. Whenever they pick up <laughs> these episodes, they have to pay for every song. You know what? I like that it's costing Disney money. That's a positive there. They have actually. to pay the Archies <laughs> every month probably. <laughs> Something that boomers never ever forgot about was the burning of Beatles records. Like this has to be the seventh time the simpsons is referenced burning beatles record yeah it started with crusty gets busted right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yes the, then they do something we should all be doing these days burning our johnny depp uh figures in effigy <laughs> we need to do that but uh and i saw that shock a lot film in theaters and uh it was all right i guess did you melt for him no honestly i melt for uh well for for alfred molina i almost mm. called him dr octopus but uh, please for henry molina, yes, yeah. he's a great actor who shouldn't just be known for his wonderful portrayal of dr octopus since the spider-man actually in two spider-man films huh. yeah <laughs> but but all right then comes my favorite joke of the episode because it is mean-spirited and backbiting towards a sponsor uh i'll, I'll just play the clip here that's it boys burn it all even this promotional johnny depp from the movie chocolat we melted for him now he's gonna do likewise <laughs> all right Time to throw in the Butterfingers. Hmm. It's not even singed. Even the fire doesn't want them. <laughs> sugar! Need sugar! Hey, they're not riding the white horse anymore. My baby! Where's my baby? Huh. I had to keep in the darkness of Ralph saying, where's my baby? Yeah, like, that's... that's- that's good, but but Butterfingers. Yes. I was looking at the history of this. Uh, so maybe there was a lapse in the license. There's, there's discussion about this on the commentary, but after 2001, there wasn't a new Simpsons Butterfinger ad until 2006 or 2007, and the last Butterfinger tie-in was the 2013 contest, the Who Laid a Finger on Bart's Butterfinger contest. <laughs> 
and that was the last time they were associated with that brand. I looked up like, what is a Butterfinger ad today? And I looked up the latest ad on YouTube. It's about the uh, BFI, the Butterfinger investigators. And when someone steals your Butterfinger, they get it back. And I thought, who, who could give a shit about this? Like, who cares? <laughs> I look at the views, 54 million views. What? Like, what? thousands of comments. Everyone's saying, it me. I wow. hungry too. What? Like, yeah. Wow. It's like people really, I, I guess it doesn't matter. Like, the we brand is so strong. Country. Yes. That's, you know, see, I knew those commercials because I, I have seen them a couple times on, the only time I watch live television is pro wrestling. And I occasionally see these Butterfinger ads. And the only reason they're memorable to me is because the Butterfinger cops in the commercials, they bring back Bart's catchphrase, but they say it as like, nobody better lay a finger on your Butterfinger because they're going to protect the Butterfingers from you and so, or for you. So in that stuff, it means me at least like go like, oh, okay, they're, they're sort of bringing back the Bart stuff, but I had no clue it was doing that well, yeah, these things. People yeah. love these guys, and at the mention of Butterfinger, my, my tongue instinctively started probing my back molars, like <laughs> just because that is the, that's about five hours after you eat a Butterfinger, you're just excavating at that point. Mm-hmm. Looking for treasure. That's part of the fun. <laughs> uh... I will say, though, in Butterfinger's defense, one, they are good. Two, I think they changed the recipe a couple of years ago. I remember Claire Saffitz talking about this in one of her YouTube videos. I think they changed the recipe, and now I think it is slightly less liable to get embedded um, in your cavities, but also, I don't know, I think that's a good candy bar. Like, I, I appreciate <laughs> the joke, obviously, because I love it when they make fun of sponsors, but um, I'll I'll, uh, I'll ride for Butterfinger. That's, that's a damn good candy bar. Did you know it as the Bart candy bar? growing up or uh what we did didn't that have butterfinger in the uk we don't really ah. have like peanut butter candy like at all hmm. well and well that's why i do love that this is them shitting on butterfingers because you know for literally 14 years before this aired butterfinger was a sponsor with simpsons like there bart was in butterfinger ads before he had a tv show like he was just they're like oh pe kids love him on these shorts wow. we gotta sell him and it's like it was the shorts team that animated the the first butterfingers commercials like it's how they it was probably the first like big it was probably the biggest paycheck mac Rainey got to that point was probably that <laughs> butterfinger ad and oh, so, crazy. yeah, it's uh, the crispity, crunchy Butterfinger, or also it's Neato, the the first one. <laughs> it's Neato, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, to know, and of course, we've heard stories like Bill Oakley confirmed this for us. They had so many free Butterfingers in their office, like because Butterfinger would just send uh, free crates of Butterfingers and Butterfinger BBs to the writers' room. So. Damn. the the writers were intimately aware of butterfingers and clearly they were not into butterfingers after a certain point maybe they just having access to it every day makes you turn on butterfingers perhaps. oh that would ruin it for you for sure yeah although it is sort of funny because like we were talking earlier about the you know the actual causes of obesity and and you know other than personal responsibility and i would say that uh for example advertising butterfingers to children with a popular children's you know <laughs> tv cartoon character is maybe something that you might be able to point to instead of just uh, hey uh, make better choices it's like well maybe don't advertise like sugar drugs to, ch to children with <laughs> you know cartoon characters would be one change we could make that doesn't involve uh, just yelling at people for making bad choices you just want a nanny state like, no, I, I do I, it's all I want is I want the state to take care <laughs> of me and to uh, and to smack me on the bonds when I do something wrong
Sounds kind of nice. Yeah. No, yeah, I, absolutely. I, yeah. I, I, I also, last thing about Butterfinger, I own one of the original Butterfinger ads that Bill Morrison drew uh, for uh, Bill Morrison, the amazing Simpsons artist. Me and Bob both bought some of his original art when he was selling them. It's, uh, it's sometimes when we feel like splurging our Patreon money, we, we direct it towards <laughs> Bill Morrison. And he did this great ad for it was on a cover of a packages a package of Butterfingers that if you bought like a six pack of them it also came with a free Simpsons comic book and so it was Bart it's uh, I just loved it because it was a drawing of Bart for eating a Simpsons comic which I was like oh that's perfect I, <laughs> I love it yeah, but, but yes the even the fire doesn't want them that's a good line I I still love that it's a way to explain something that's shitty that even fire doesn't want it mm-hmm. but so yes everybody's going through withdrawal. To the point that Homer goes to Quickie Mart, there's nothing left in there, and he is looking up a pool of blood and vapor rub, which uh, I'd say is a new low for Homer as a food monster in the show, perhaps, that he goes back to lick more of it. Yes, he looks extra depraved. They, like, draw lines under his eyes when he goes back (laughs) to the second lick. He's very desperate, yes. So, yes, Bob, as you also said to me uh, beforehand... This then just turns into a caper. They're like, well, where? Okay, how do we end this? Well, better just go to Caper Town for this. Yeah, it's uh, it's a choice they would make a lot where it's like, well, Marge is boring. Who wants to hear about her and her problems? Let's have a fun adventure with Homer. When It's like, I want to see maybe Marge is having regrets. Maybe Marge is, is saying, well, here are things that I miss in my life. I don't know. I feel like we, we lose track of Marge until she shows up to, uh, you know, confront Homer at the very end when he's got to choose between two different sizes. He's in yeah. the middle. Yeah. yeah, it comes down to Homer. at the. I'm also sad that Apu is working with the evil company that like i don't know it sells out it sells out apu's character a bit that he's not the good guy but i guess though often apu is like a very capitalist dude who is all about like selling expensive things to people and he needs the the cheap sugars to to pay his rent to i, I don't know why mr burns is there other than it's al Jean running this season and uh mike scully did not include burns a lot hey i like him there it's just weird to see uh count fudula apu burns bard and homer on a yacht yes yeah yeah garth mother loving i feel like he's at the meeting and he should be on the yacht with him too but maybe also they're like you know this guy's not as funny let's just have burns be the 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 head rich guy on the boat let's have that though that also allows them to go on the gone fishing the yacht previously seen in mansion family in season 10 it's the delicious pun gone fission yes yeah i uh my enunciation didn't make the pun obvious there uh, but we're not talking about the Joe Pesci Danny Glover movie <laughs> now that's hilarious too yes but it's uh, j- just as funny as that pun you know what also I, I compare this to in season 33 there's a very similar episode where Homer accidentally leaves a dog in a hot car and he gets like canceled by people online and at the end how does he fix it he goes on a secret mission with other characters to a pro- to a secret island it's it's, <laughs> it's actually very similar to this ending but also but uh, to show you that this is like classic uh, episodes where Al Jean was in charge, the Axel F parody is back too. They haven't played it in a long time. The da, 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 but their own version of it that they don't have to pay uh, to <laughs> use. It was previously, you know, where it was last heard? Monorail. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Which, which scene? Which scene? It was in. Uh, but yes, so they enter the back door of Lard Lad <laughs> to learn to learn about this secret plan. Gentlemen, I have found the final member of our cabal. Count Fudgula? I thought you wanted to get off the stuff. I'm a monster. Don't look at me. Homer, we need you to help us smuggle in sugar from south of the border. Oh, you mean Tennessee? No, 
the island of Sen Glucose. <laughs> Risking your lives just for some sugar? Dessert, son! I steamed some limes! Godspeed. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a very underrated, uh, subtle joke where they go into the butt of Lardlad and probably they can now go down through this winding staircase that's like uh, covered in stonework. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, geographically, <laughs> it makes no sense, but I like how they just cut from that to the next scene. It's just like, oh, yeah, I guess that was inside of him somehow. <laughs> right. You know what, listeners? Don't do your comment. I know it now. It's when Burns and Smithers are hiding the toxic waste at the start of the monorail oh, okay. episode. That's there where the actual F theme plays. So there we go. I can keep in the bit of me not remembering <laughs> because I will now have remembered it. They already made their comments, and now uh, they feel terrible. Uh, <laughs> But also, I just love Marge screaming like, I'm steaming limes. Mm -hmm. Like, but but it also is just the consistent Simpsons joke of healthy foods. Gross. Right. Mm -hmm. Yuck. It can't taste good. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like, which is it? Healthy food is bad, but the sugary stuff is bad. I mean, it's fine. You can you can you can say both. But like, don't yell at me about being fat. You know, in the <laughs> Simpsons world's that. everything is bad. That's yeah, the... exactly. Well, also, I do think a little of this is. Um, married writers in their late 30s, early 40s, whose wives mm. are telling them you should lose some weight and they're oh, mad yeah. about that. Maybe because totally. they spend 10 hours a day eating Butterfinger BBs yeah. out of a communal <laughs> bowl. Oh, <laughs> my Simpsons weight is what paid for this house. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we talked about it, but like uh, Bill Oakley said, you gain 80 pounds or you used to gain 80 pounds because uh, I'm repeating myself, but there's nothing to do. You either look in a dictionary or you eat all day mm -hmm. before the age of smartphones when you're on a writing staff. Mike Reese lost 80 pounds when he left The Simpsons. That's uh, and He's kept it off. It's funny to think about because my only experience, or I guess not experience, knowledge of what writers' rooms are like in terms of food these days is from a Doughboys episode where, oh, I'm not going to remember the name of the guest, but they had a guest on who wrote on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I think, and they were talking about how they would decide where to order lunch from. And they were always ordering lunch from like Sweet Green and stuff. Like They're getting salads and stuff now. So I feel like it would almost be easier for me to lose weight if I was in a writers' room where... I could have, I could like order, you know, some kind of salad or something every day. And like, if, if, if that was paid for, you know, I, th I feel like half the problem of like n me not eating healthy is cause like, yeah, you know, I don't, like I said earlier, I don't want to get a shitty McDonald's salad. If I'm going to get a salad and it's going to be good, it's got to be like 15 bucks. And that's like, that's half the problem. So if someone else is paying for it, easy peasy. You know, in the Simpsons writing writer's room, they were more into Jersey Mike's and Islands. That was, uh, yeah. that was their favorites. <laughs> I mean, both great. I I think Conan is actually very shamed that one of the few pics of him working on The Simpsons is from a profile they did in 92 where it's like, and here's all the writers eating their big uh, burgers and fries and they just look like so guys funny. just covered like, in grease on their faces. Yeah, yeah. different greasy writers. Yeah. <laughs> Homer and Bart, they both get matching burglar outfits. Obviously, Lisa's not invited on this trip because it's only Bar Bart and Homer fun here. Lisa's back in Nagtown with Marge. Yeah. Uh, but so I, I also do like that Homer realizes he is in a comedy as he falls three times. And by the third time, he's like, this is the last time I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know what seaweed is gross i'm with homer being grossed out by seaweed but it it's, touches de- your leg it's, like it's it. delicious oh hey it tastes great sure <laughs> but homer battling with a toucan all right it's okay but no bird violence though so I, right. I approve of that you're, you're correct i don't have to play the bird violence jingle rarely heard these days honestly <laughs> but uh, uh but yes this i do this joke's okay here okay man here's the sugar now you give us the money that wasn't part of the deal. <laughs> He's right. Who wrote this thing? <laughs> that, That's just funny. I, it, I mean, it is. Uh, it, it, they're having it both ways, but it's interesting how this this caper just is over so quickly with <laughs> no complications. Very fast. Right. Yeah. yeah. Losing that map doesn't cause any problems anyway. He found the guys very easily, and then leaves with all the stuff. Doesn't have any violent problems with them either. He's just like, yep, that wasn't part of the deal. It, Hey, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't pot. It's a bad. It's a better joke about deals. It's a better joke. <laughs> <laughs> they, they never. They never mentioned Homer's uh, previous job as a sugar salesman. You yeah. know. Yeah. 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 Oh they're very God. close to saying they're bloating things with sugar the way homer describes but uh, bloated <laughs> it with sugar uh so they then travel back a uh, very easy trip from the isle of san glucose wherever that is to wherever they are now <laughs> this is when they use the miami vice parody theme uh which they had previously used in the wiggum spinoff from the spinoff showcase mm, okay yeah which uh if you guys look up the music video for the miami vice theme song is an incredible video because it is the you know miami vice is about hot guys and hot girls and all that but the the man who wrote the song is featured in the video who you know is an average looking man with a receding hairline and so it's like it's all these cuts to miami vice and then it's like him playing the keyboard to go like no it's me i'm the guy and it's like him running on the beach like it's uh it's a real classic music video look it up Hmm. To, to see this man <laughs> his, with his average looks. It's also very strange seeing Apu lined up next to B- Burns and Count Fudula. That's a, it's an odd trio. It's, it's a fun group. They're yes. having a little fun outing here. <laughs> and, and of course, because it's the year 2002, it's jokes about shoving things in your butt. Homer, Homer keistered his supply of the sugar, which uh, that's probably, I mean, you know, butt chugging is very dangerous. I would think a bunch of sugar in your anus also probably not good for you. You absorb it faster that way. <laughs> well, it's even worse, right? I don't think. Uh, so, yes. Then Homer, they're cornered. They really loved, Jean, Al Jean also wrote, he wrote Simpson Tide, which also involves a lot of boat standoffs. They were really into boat standoffs in this time on The Simpsons. But in this case, uh, Burns betrays Homer and they leave. And this is when Burns is having a stroke, which, you know, it's kind of a lame joke. But I, I at least like his stroke animation. It's kind of funny. But uh, but I, I do love Homer's line. Remember what I told you about running away from our troubles? Yeah, let's do it. And they just leave. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I, I like any take on uh, chase tropes. So I forgot how this episode played out, but when when they had the pane of glass come out but carry between two ships, <laughs> I was like, okay, what are they going to do? Yeah. Uh, and it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. And then we cut to the woman pushing her baby in a stroller while on a jet ski. <laughs> uh, My baby! Mm-hmm. They're, yeah. they're so good at doing all of these. Like I can think of, like, five other pane of glass jokes that they've done in the past, probably. <laughs> this, is, this is one of the best. Well, and there's also a... Uh, police and woman pushing a baby you know if if Wiggum had done his own police training then he would have learned that he has to hit the woman with the baby uh, that's right yeah. yeah that's part of the shooting range test there yeah. was no blind man to run over <laughs> right <though>. exactly <laughs> yeah yeah I also like uh, when when Wiggum says 
I like to think we've made a difference today. I do I do love any jokes that are about the cops being bad at their job. It's always good. Oh, yes. Yeah. Though, you know what? These these jokes also outstripped by reality. I, I feel <laughs> like uh, in, in the real life, he would have just run over that lady and her baby and then and said they didn't. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And withhold the body cam footage, obviously. Uh, <laughs> hey, buddy, they just work here, right? Yeah. Hey, it was a real risk not running over that baby and the woman. Right. Exactly. Uh, but all right, so uh, Homer then uh, runs back into Ben Stiller, who didn't go on the mission but was waiting at the dock with uh, with a forklift. And uh, this is this is when Homer has to make a choice. Good work, Simpson. Before I bring the sugar in, I want to see the Oompa Loompa. He's right over there. That guy is freaky. <laughs> well, here's your sugar. No, Homer. You'll be condemning this town to a life of obesity and diabetes. Don't listen to her, Homer. Oh, they both make such good arguments. <laughs> Please, homie, dump the sugar for me. And that leads to another of my favorite gags in the episode, which is there's no not dump sugar button. It's either dump the sugar or don't press it. But there has to be a button that says obey bad guy. <laughs> like that's such a good. I love that shot. Well, I, now we have the meme of a guy uh, who's going to be thinking about pushing two buttons. I'm sorry. I, took, I know I took the words right out of your no, mouth. No, Henry. Uh, no, I, I, I was wondering if it if it inspired the comic by Jake Clark. That's who wrote the original. The original comic is don't be a dick be a dick and uh the superhero is wiping his brow it's one of the greatest memes of our time now that it can Very be good. kind of anything yeah i mean my favorite variation is pushing it with your thumb and both buttons with thumb and pinky <laughs> together but uh which i feel like that's the world we live in now is that people just press the both buttons at the same time Absolutely. Why it's like not? the meme of getting two kinds of soda at once and each uh, one is labeled something else <laughs> that's a good one too yeah uh, but uh, yeah, so I wonder, you know, I looked up the meme history on it from the Know Your Meme website, which I'm sure is always correct and very well researched. But uh, they didn't say that they said Clark had, uh, was inspired by some things, but uh, the obey bad guy button was not one of them. But when I look at it there, I was like, man, how could it not have been uh, some level of inspiration for that classic comic? Yeah, but I will. I'm going to I'm going to put in my my chip as an, uh, a person annoyed by season 13 and say that it does irritate me that there are it feels like there are more jokes where it's just a thing written down it's just like the joke written down which i feel like is slightly less artful than having to work it into a character saying it you know it's like the one that people put you know how like people will post stuff you know you'll say like what's your favorite simpsons bit and then someone in the replies will reply with something from like season 17 and i'm like you didn't get it man like you're not you, you don't you don't know what you're doing just like don't be so annoying and a lot of the one that they'll do is um like chuck's seed and feed or whatever um you know they'd like chuck suck and fuck one and like that one irritates me so much because I don't personally think it's that clever or funny and it's just things that are just written down like I don't know why like I'm sure there are examples of that from classic <laughs> Simpsons there must be tons of examples but I'm like you can't just write the joke down and have me read it on the screen you know that's not quite good enough <laughs> you know I on the Chuck's uh the Chuck's joke I at least I like that they got a suck and fuck joke by yeah. the censors yeah. I yeah. like that it's, it's a show with a history of uh, sign gags and, Absolutely. Like, and it's drawing from like Mad Magazine's yeah, I mean, there are better ones than this one, but I'm not opposed to the idea of yeah. that of that being the joke. But 
uh, but yes, Homer. And then also, yes, like you said, Marge loses her own story. That now it's just Marge begging. It's just a classic. Like Marge begs Homer to not be to be a good guy. Like it's just one of those. But uh, but yes, Homer does listen and he uh, dumps the sugar. But as usual, it doesn't solve the problem. It actually just gives people a bunch of uh, very sugar rich water, and everybody dives in. And uh, this is when we have our uh, after Ben Stiller's character just slowly backs out of a scene in a forklift <laughs> no, no real comeuppance for him he just doesn't get his way no i wonder if they thought he'd come back or something but mm. i think uh, they were hoping for it yeah but but uh but yes we have our sugar filled ending here mm. i guess you just can't use the law to nag maybe i should just stop trying to change the world no march i love when you do that you're a regular karen aladovich that's the best one. That's what I told Lisa. <laughs> Sugar. Oh, honey, honey. Hey, I found some pearls. Oh, wait, they're just my teeth. Well, I can still make a necklace out of them. You know, for a real, that's the definition of a treacle cutter. That they have Marge and Homer go like, aw, and hug. And they're like, no, we need to show people Lenny's disgusting to toothless jaws. And that's <laughs> yeah. got to be the last shot of the episode. His, his, his mouth is so decayed, his teeth instantly fall out upon hitting the sugar water. And yeah. then... Yeah, it's quite it's quite a shot to go out on, I'll say. Yeah, but uh, but yes, also the Judge Snyder recognizes like, oh, actually, I really overstepped my boundaries here, and so uh, Sugar's back. The end. Like, guess every oh, we have to revert back to normalcy now. There can't be a happy ending. I at least like that. Seemingly, the moral of the story was Marge shouldn't try to fix things, and so much like in Itchy and Scratchy and Marge, Homer has to say, no, no, it's good that you care, even though the world will prevent you from caring, and that your caring is destroyed by the end of our story. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, but... Uh, oh, and, and uh, lastly, the sugar shark that Mo is like, mm, these sugar sharks are great, and then it huh. bites him back. That's kind of funny. I like just the term sugar shark. Is, and is that Mo it? thinks that they're a naturally occurring phenomenon, yes, and that yeah. a, a shark biting you is surprising. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's got many it. levels on this weird ass ending. Uh, Sadly, they use the Archie sugar sugar, which is like, but it's already used for the perfect joke in Boy Scouts in the Hood of yes. Homer dancing on the island. That's the per you can't use it again. But they did. Yeah, that, that mm -hmm. is that is a shame to be reminded of a of a better joke is is always is always tough. I was sort of surprised at the ending. Just be, I mean, maybe I hadn't been paying close enough attention, but. I was like, oh, is that it? Like the show, like the show's over. Like that, that whole because it felt like you know it was building up to the caper. You know, the the caper was kind of something that should have lasted a lot longer, I guess. But you know, you're right because they did just use it as a way to end the show rather than like you know the actual sort of final act that everything had been building towards. It was like, oh yeah, and then they did the thing, and then uh, the show's over. <laughs> <laughs> and sugar's back the end uh, yeah, exactly. the judge yeah. up saying yeah. and i guess i guess the uh the moral is like marge was right but she's kind of annoying isn't she yeah. that's what the <laughs> right. show is saying <laughs> they could be a little you know these ladies could at least nag a little less when they want to change things yes yeah i mean i feel like uh this episode has a lot of funny jokes but it is very much a time capsule and of course it is it's 20 years old but it's a time capsule of where we were in terms of knowing about like nutrition where we are in terms of uh, being fat phobic uh, compared to today and how much uh, just knowledge of uh, you know diet and nutrition has changed since 2002 and like just the idea like oh sugar is bad was 
kind of, I mean, people have been saying that for a long time, but it was kind of reaching the mainstream. And this is when, again, Atkins was on fire. So, yeah, an interesting time capsule, but obviously has not aged very, very well. And, and I guess it gave us uh, Diabetti. So, uh, Good old Diabetti. And, yeah. and Count Fudgula. Oh, Maybe yeah. they could, like, are they both single? Sorry, let me uh, They'd make a good pair. <laughs> No, I was just thinking, I mean, not not to, you know, end on too much of a downer note, but, um, you know, it's you're right, it is it is kind of a time capsule. And I was thinking at the time, like, you know, what what did I think at the time about, about something like, you know, fat and sugar? Well, I was, you know, 11 when this came out, so I guess it doesn't really matter. But then I was thinking, when I was 11, I was really worried about being fat. And, like, I was constantly thinking, like, how can I go on a diet? You know, how can I, like lose weight as a fucking 11 year old you know and so it's like <laughs> it's just very sad to think about um you know what children watching you know a show like this might absorb as as the message which is either um you know like sugar is bad or whatever which yeah is true or like you know fat people are to be mocked you know that they are uh morally failed people who um have made bad choices and or aren't i good for having made the good choices you know that that kind of thing and you know i guess i'm coming across as a real like bleeding heart lib on this but you know i am so (laughs) (laughs) was this the year of shallow hell 2002 was that that the previous year i think it is i think it's the same uh no i think it's 03 actually maybe really okay well i think of jack black 2001 okay all right so yeah they've they've also got all those great jokes about a fat woman as well outside of norbit i felt like that was probably the last joke where it's like haha fat lady comedy or oh, whatever god norbit yeah, yeah that's uh, that's why hey. he didn't get that oscar man eddie murphy if he didn't make norbit hey, i bet he won. norbit won an oscar for makeup oh hey so uh, oscar know, oscar winner yeah there you go <laughs> but uh but uh, thank you so much libby for coming back on yes, the show thank you libby i promise one day you will be on a, a good episode of the show <laughs> uh, but our show is always good no, well, yeah, that's you're the thing. Always it's, great. it's fun to talk about even even the the less good episodes. But I, I do want to come on when you you have to pencil me in for when you do Homer's Triple Bypass next because that is the healthcare episode. So ooh, yes, that's right. Um, okay, that's we totally one. will. I may even I may even have even have written something about it by then. So watch out for that. I'm sure. Oh boy, you have written plenty about doctor orbs <laughs> on your newsletter. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, absolutely. The the doctor orbs Substack. Oh, I should have called it doctor orb. That's so annoying. I never liked the name sick note and now you've got you've given me doctor and i gotta go and get a new url um yeah um i write uh, sick note it's a newsletter about healthcare um and how bad it is in the united states um and the website is sicknote.co and you're also you know you're great you're a great podcast guest as well i've also i've enjoyed your your doughboys especially those are good ones which is the all this talk about negative on on fatty foods that's the opposite of that on on, on doughboys yeah you know i think poor poor nick and mitch are you know really stuck in uh, in a hell of their own making they've got this really successful funny good podcast that everybody loves and to do it they have to eat all of this food that makes them feel terrible but unfortunately it's really good for the rest of us so they're just gonna have to keep doing it forever um and, you know, uh, if, as as a Doughboys listener, much like with having to, you know, ration out and eat less, you know, fast food than I used to, I also have to listen to it just a little or listen to the, I listen to the doubles just as much because they don't talk about food, mm-hmm. but the food ones, I'm like, eh, I kind of need to listen once a month because I have a problem. If I listen to it, I'm like, well, obviously I got to order Popeye's tonight. Absolutely. I, to I know. About it. And since I moved it's, to LA and we have a car, it's just, it's, it's game over for me. You know, we can actually go to fast food places now that aren't in walking distance. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's a real struggle. But uh, but thank you so much again, Libby. Yes, thank you, Libby. Anytime.
So thanks again to Libby Watson for being on the show. Please check out Sick Note. And as for us, if you want to check out more of what we do and get these episodes one week ahead of time and ad-free, please go to patreon.com slash talkingsimpsons. Sign up for five bucks a month. You get just that, but also access to everything behind the $5 paywall. That's over 100 full-length bonus episodes about uh, animated shows you love. And that also includes monthly new episodes of both Talking Futurama and Talk King of the Hill. That is only at the $5 level and only at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons and there is a $10 level as well. When you sign up for that, you get access to all of the $5 stuff, of course, but also access to one extremely long, often six-hour-long podcast once a month if you're a patron of that level or higher. And what is that, Henry? Bob is talking about the What a Cartoon Movie podcast where we talk about an animated feature film just as in-depth as we do an episode of The Simpsons, which often means going over six hours or at the very least five now, I think, is our normal-length episode. In our most recent episode, you can hear us talk about the Little Mermaid is part of our Disney Renaissance Summer. Tons of interesting info in there. At the end of this month, we'll be covering Beauty and the Beast, the uh, follow-up, a perfect follow-up to that one. Before that, we did a very long, over six-hour podcast about Toy Story 3. We did a six-and-a-half-hour-long podcast about Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and other ones have included Akira, a goofy movie. I, I just love starting with those two, but also South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, End of Evangelion, Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, and a ton, ton more. So please check it all out. The entire back catalog and all that $5 stuff Bob mentioned when you go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. As for me, I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. That's a classic gaming podcast all about old video games. You can find that wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash retronauts. Sign up there for two full-length bonus episodes every month. And Henry, what about you? Follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. That's how you keep up with all the things happening in the Henry Gilbert world. And of course, if you're following me and Bob on Twitter, please follow at TalkSimpsonsPod on Twitter because that is the official Twitter account of this podcast and all our sister podcasts if you want to stay in the loop when new stuff goes live or when there's news in our world follow at talk simpsons pod on twitter and of course if you want an easy to explore back catalog of all the free episodes we have ever done of talking simpsons and other stuff go to talking simpsons podcast.com thanks so much for listening folks we'll see you again next time for season three's lisa's pony and we'll see you then twist.